Welcome back to another episode of Stacking Denny's. I'm Jordan McAbee of Rotoballer, my co-host Nick Giffen of the Action Network, and oh, it's baby. Tuesday, and I and I need a beer, man. I need some beers. <laughs> Auto Club is now officially done for the last race at that two-mile racetrack, unfortunately, because holy shit, that was some good racing that we saw on Sunday. Ross Chastain wins stage one one and two, leads 91 laps, but it's Kyle Busch in victory lane for Richard Childress Racing already to start out the year. Second race of the year, Kyle Busch is back in victory lane. One of the one of the uh the best drivers in the series over the last 10, 15 years. Um goes to a new team and immediately gets a win at Auto Club. Jeff Gluck's poll, 90% said yes, that was a good race. We saw some amazing racing in this event. Uh, we also saw a cat on the track. We also saw some issues, uh, with the, with the new restart, um, rule, you know, did, did Logano break check anybody and, and people or Logano said he didn't, but you know, we definitely saw a, a pile up there on a restart. We saw some covers and goers throughout the race, but overall Chevy looked good. And I know we've talked a lot about Ford to start this year. But Chevy, one, two, three, four, Chevy leading most of the laps. Trackhouse, once again, they, they were one of those teams that I said at the beginning of the year, I don't know if they're going to be able to repeat. Well, first first race of the first real race of the season, I'm going to call it. And they come out and both of them, both Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez, look like they could win this race. And of course, Kyle Bush, another guy. I'm 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 already eating my words from our preseason podcast. I said Kyle Bush went back. Uh, or went down a, a, a tier in the performance category with with his move to Richard Childress Racing, he's already got a win. And you know what? That was even after overcoming a penalty. I think he could have led even more in that race and, and showed more domination if he wouldn't have got that penalty. But, Nick, I know you enjoyed this race, but what what was your favorite thing about this this auto club race this past weekend? Yeah, I think my favorite thing about the race was just the fact that uh, – you know, even several laps into a run, like I'm not talking just the first five or 10 laps, but you could make passes. And that's again, because of the tire where, um, we had comers and goers, right? We had guys moving to the front and then after a little while, they'd fall back to the back. I know, um, a couple examples of that would be like William Byron. He was yeah. very often like moving forward and then all of a sudden he'd just fall back at the end of the run. Uh, so Definitely some Chevys. Eric Jones was another example. He'd move forward up to about 13, 14, and then fall all the way back to 18, 19 uh, in the middle of a run towards the back half of a run. And so uh, it was nice to see that tire management still mattered. Uh, and, you know, it was a cold day at Auto Club Speedway. It didn't get above like about mm-hmm. 50 degrees Fahrenheit. So that prevented extra tire wear. Uh, it could have been even more wear, but uh, at the same time, even on a 50 degree day, Still, we're able to just have multiple lanes of racing. It did. It did become a little one lane there towards the end, uh, especially over the long run. But uh, I mean, that's just kind of how it happens when teams have all race to work on their cars. They get better and better, and, and cars become a little more equal. Uh, other than obviously Kyle Busch, who was just super dominant at the end there. But uh, yeah, hats off to to Rowdy for that win. His first non-super speedway race for richard childress racing uh points paying race because super speedways are so random but uh so he's one for one outside of the super speedways which i don't think i was expecting now i certainly know that obviously tyler reddick had a great car at this track last year uh i just wasn't sure if 
the same would continue or not. And one thing that's pretty important to pay attention to, Denny Hamlin, he feeds us a lot of good information. Uh, I know Ryan from My Fantasy Race tweeted out that Denny Hamlin said those RCR cars may have the best engines this year. And you know who else has those RCR engines? Team Trackhouse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he made a note or Hamlin made a note to say that, you know, RCR might have the best engines even over Hendrick, which, you know, we saw Chase Elliott finish second. He started in the rear. We had you and I were on that bet. You know, you you posted it on Action Network, the 11 to one of, of drivers starting uh, 31st or worse. So that kind of sucked on Sunday, not being able to hit that. But, you know, Chase Elliott did look strong there at the end. And, and that's kind of what he does is just kind of you know, moves himself up throughout the race, gets there. Um, I kind of questioned, you know, they stayed out a couple, um, I think it was two laps after Chastain and Kyle Busch pitted. And I was thinking in my head at the time, I'm like, Gustafson made another Gustafson call and and screwed over Chase Elliott. But, you know, he he did end up finishing second. It was solid. Kevin Harvick with the top five finish. Brad Keselowski was seventh. You know, a lot of the same guys that perform really well at Auto Club, just they're good there. Austin mm-hmm. Dillon finished ninth. The only, you know, a few of the guys that, uh, that I would say disappointed, um, one would be Joey Logano. He was running third all day. And then I don't know what that team did to that car on the last run, but it went to absolute junk. And, and the same with, uh, with Byron, he, like you said, he would, he was awesome on restarts. And then about a quarter of the way through the run, he would just fall apart. But, you know, looking, looking further down in this, in this running order, Corey LaJoy had a top 10 stage finish. He finished 14th. I mean, that is an amazing run for that team. Harrison Burton finished 15th, Ty Gibbs 16th. I, I don't know how much we learned from this weekend, but it seems to me like everything that we got so accustomed to last year with this car is just going to happen over again this year. And what, whether that translates to Las Vegas and, and, and this upcoming weekend's race and, and what we learned from auto club, cause you got to remember, we didn't have any practice or qualifying either on this race. So I think a lot of people are overlooking that. And that's actually going to be one of one thing that I talk about in our wine about it segment. So we're going to go ahead and just get right into that real quick. So this is wine about about it presented by Louvabella Winery. I know Nick finally got his shipment of wines. He's got the purple rain. He's gonna try it. This is my favorite wine from Louvabella. I love this wine. And yes, let's let's see let's hear what you think of this wine. Yeah, get a professional so taste test here. I have my first taste of Louvabella wines. I'm gonna have right now. And uh, pardon the the ASMR mouth sounds, but I'm gonna drink it at the microphone. <laughs> Mm. Now that is good. It's like it's a little sweet, but it's a smooth sweet. So it's mm-hmm. not like too sharp or too uh, acidic or anything like that. It's a really good, uh, smooth, slightly sweet wine, red wine. I think it would be great uh, in a sangria as well. So I like it. I, I definitely think this is a, a wine that I could just sit down uh, and just chill with on a nice you know, even even though red wine, even though it's red, uh, it's not like a, a red red. It's not like a deep red. Uh, so it's a nice red wine that I could have a little sweet that could be either as part of a sangria or I could just chill with it even on a warm day because, uh, you know, you typically you think warmer days, you want the nice colder white wines. 
but uh and then in the in the winter you know you want to get warm and cozy get those big bolder red wines but this one you could have year round for sure so i really like it and uh, i can see why it's one of their flagship wines at lb winery <laughs> how do you yeah. get that i mean by the way this hat that they gave me it says lb on it so that's so know, my perfect. dog's name that is, is so lb perfect. so it, hey, it and now turned out to be the perfect sponsor now that we are uh, recording video for podcasts, people can actually see it on YouTube. But you can see us actually talking and and our mm-hmm. what we're doing when we're actually talking and recording this podcast. But what oh, is yeah. your wine about it topic this week? So I think you have a pretty good one. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I think people uh, are really trying to dive into comparisons for Las Vegas, and I think it's getting a little out of hand. Uh, I think, you know, and it, it's, it's totally fine. We all have our own ways of analyzing things, but let's be real. The two most similar tracks period and the whole NASCAR circuit, absolutely. The two most similar tracks are Kansas and Las Vegas. When I run my correlations, those two are literally number one and two correlated to each other compared to any other pair of tracks. So don't overthink it. Don't sit here and think, okay, well, we can totally use Texas or we can totally use Michigan or whatever. Uh, you know, I think this is one of those things where, yeah, we can we can factor them in a little bit, but do not weigh them equally to pass Las Vegas races or to pass Kansas races. Do not weigh them mm-hmm. equally. Don't take averages of those. You got to take a weighted average where you're weighing Las Vegas and Kansas so much more. Then also, we need to consider tire combinations. So if we look at the races that were on this tire combination, there's only been four races. There was Kansas 2 last year. There was Texas. So, you know, you can give some weight to that just because it was on the same tire combination. There was Vegas Mm -hmm. 2. And then there was Auto Club of this year. So Mm. we've only had four races on this tire combination. If you want to add in the right side tires, uh, there were two other races that had the same right side, but not the same left side. That would be Pocono of last year and Homestead of last year, but they both had different left sides. So you can factor those in maybe tiny, slightly bit. But then even when there was a different tire combination, even Kansas one or Vegas one last year, you still got to factor those. in. I mean, it's the same, essentially the same tracks, right? So uh, when I'm weighing things and I use something called similarity scores, Vegas obviously is number one. Kansas is number two by a very large amount um, versus number three. And uh, number three actually is Charlotte and then Michigan and then Texas. Uh, so, and then because of Auto Club's same tire this year, I'm Auto Club this year factors in more than past Auto Clubs as well. So uh, just kind of what I'm looking at similarity scores, you really have to mostly give credit to Vegas and Kansas. Uh, that's that's the bulk of things. So please do not overweigh Texas last year. Please do not overweigh Charlotte of last year. Please do not overweigh Auto Club of this year. Because as we saw last year, Auto Club versus Vegas, they were back-to-back races last year, and there were two totally different sets of results, right? Like Auto Club, it was Tyler Reddick dominated, and uh, you know William Byron was really good, and uh, there were a couple other, Eric Jones, for example, a couple other really good cars, and the JGR guys were, were terrible. And then all of a sudden, at Vegas, the very next race, JGR dominated. Uh, even though Truex didn't actually dominate a ton of laps, he and Kyle Busch 
definitely had the two best cars. And I would say Denny Hamlin was right up there as well until he had his problems. But Hamlin was flying through the field at the start of the race until he encountered his problems. Christopher Bell had a very good car and he also had problems. So don't overweigh Auto Club when looking at Vegas this weekend. Don't overweigh Texas. Don't overweigh Charlotte. Don't overweigh Michigan. Mostly Kansas and, of course, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's number two. Um, that's, uh, you know, and it's all recency bias, you know, and, and I'm going to go back to the fact that we did not get practice or qualifying last week at Fontana, and I understand it's easy to, uh, and, this, and this is my whine about it, um, idea or whatever I'm talking about. I can't, I can't think right now. It's been a week, but, um, anyway, so a lot of people, you know, it's easy to, to say, you know, these cars were really good at Fontana. You have to remember that no practice, no qualifying those cars unloaded, got on the track with the setup that they had. They, we saw Chase Briscoe was absolute garbage. Chase, Chase Briscoe was getting outran by Cody Ware. And BJ McLeod legitimately outran by the two biggest shitbox cars in that entire race. So to, I understand, you know, I, I've seen people this week talk, oh, is Kyle Busch going to win 10 races this year? What are you talking about? We have one race. We have a one race sample size. Yes, he won it. Yes, there's this Denny Hamlin saying that RCR has an engine advantage. We have one race. Don't sit here and start overreacting, start overbetting based on we don't know anything right now we are still in the very beginning stages of the season so my biggest thing this week when it comes to whining about it is just people overreacting and it and it and it kind of goes with greg mathern's question that he sent to us on twitter was what do you think is the biggest overreaction people are going to make in response to auto club and i think they're just going to overweigh Every like it can go either way. Like Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez had two of the best cars at Auto Club. Does that mean they're going to have two of the best cars at Las Vegas? It could. They could have very good cars at Las Vegas. They could also have just tenth place cars at Las Vegas. Is Chase Briscoe going to be a thirty fourth place car at Las Vegas? I don't think so. I don't think he's going to be that awful, but it, it's certainly possible. So I think the biggest overreaction is just people putting trust in a race that, you know what. The, the crew chiefs were guessing on setups for that race. And it's not like they have time to really dial that car in during the race and during those pit stops. So I think practice this week, qualifying this week is going to be very telling on what these teams are going to be able to do. So I think this opens the door for, you know, contrarian DFS players and also betters that go against you know everyone's now betting Kyle Busch he's he's the favorite this week along with Kyle Larson which Kyle Larson had a great car at Fontana I will say that even after his electrical issues like I think he had one of the best cars in that race even after the electrical issues but um just the the overreactions in general are just something to keep in mind especially if you're a DFS player this week because a lot of people are going to be on Chastain this week a ton of people are going to be on Kyle Busch this week i mean and you look at his his Las Vegas record his last four races here third fourth third third this is his home track he's really good here yes he's probably going to have a very good car but don't forget that people overreact and that is your chance within i'm i'm specifically talking about DFS here to kind of get a leverage on the field 
Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I think as far as overreactions and to answer Greg's question, this is going to be an interesting one because I agree. I don't think we should overreact. But the problem is when I look at Kansas and Vegas, especially yeah. uh, on this tire combination, the guys that really stand out are Chastain, Tyler Reddick in that eight car, which is now Kyle Busch. And we saw how that eight car did from last year to this year at Auto Club. Uh, and then guys that don't stand out would be somebody like a Ryan Blaney. And well, Blaney, he wrecked out. Now he had an amazing rocket ship at Auto Club, and I don't think people give him enough credit for that. But when I'm looking at you know lap by lap data, he was one of the fastest when until he wrecked out. Uh, arguably the fastest until he wrecked out, especially considering track position. So uh, it's it's interesting because the spots I would think people could overreact actually seem to be correlating really well with past Las Vegas and Kansas. Uh, so that's pretty tough. Uh, but I do think if people are overreacting to, let's say, JGR not being as good uh, at Auto Club. Well, we saw that last year. I mean, take Bubble Wallace, for example. I know JGR I could say Toyota. Bubble Wallace, once again, had overheating issues. And when he asked his crew chief uh, whether it was the same as last year, the response was kind of yes, kind of no. So like... How do you have the same overheating issues? Kind of, yes, two years in a row. Uh, but guess what? They didn't have those issues at Las Vegas in the very next race. So I don't want to overreact to a Bubba Wallace overheating issue. Uh, I think he's a, a very interesting play. And when you look at him, uh, he's obviously he, he doesn't stand out maybe necessarily in terms of driver rating because he retaliated on Kyle Larson at Vegas. But he was running right up near the front before that happened. So when you look at something like a flags metric, which is... I like to do because then it, it only takes into things in account uh, when the car was healthy. So before he wrecked, uh, Bubba Wallace stands out really well between Kansas and Las Vegas. So let's not overreact negatively towards him because of auto club. And, and actually prior to the overheating issues, he was kind of moving up through the field as well. Uh, so just, I actually don't think there's too many overreaction spots, but I certainly don't want to overreact. So uh, it's just a question of where is that overreaction going to come from? And I think weirdly enough, just the way auto club worked out, it kind of happened to work out in the way that I don't think there'll be too many overreactions. Maybe Byron, uh, will people will be overreacting to his rough performance, I guess. But, uh, overall, you know, I think, I don't think there's too many overreaction spots like William Byron. He was 15th in flags. My, my, uh, my metric that I've created that if you've been following along for a while, you'll, you'll understand. But just in terms of lap by lap data, when his car was healthy and I did remove after he, after Byron had his incident, I removed all that data. Uh, he just comes in 15th in speed, essentially in field level adjusted speed. And that could be an overreaction spot would be William Byron, uh, because he was pretty solid here. I mean, he was uh, he was one of the best cars at, at the first Vegas race last year. Remember, we had uh, I have to always remind us, but we had that stage one Byron bet that we lost on like the the last lap. He got passed or something, uh, so that was frustrating. I think it was by Bowman, uh, but it was uh, Byron's. Yep, it was Byron's good at these tracks, so don't overreact to Byron at Auto Club. Now I know he was good at Auto Club last year, but uh, I wouldn't overreact here to William Byron. Uh, so I guess if there's an overreaction spot, maybe it's William Byron. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, it's just when we have a week like that, it's, 
it's so difficult for me to be sided on on certain things and and decided on certain things because it's just too early in the season and i'm going to keep you know harping on that one more thing i want to harp on real quick can, just also don't overreact to chase Elliott. i totally forgot about that he finished second but he was not a second place car most of that race uh oh, no. very end of the race he was but part of it was track position but do not overreact to chase elliott's uh finish there because he hasn't been great at kansas or vegas recently and like i said that's like that's his typical type of race he unless he starts up front he doesn't dominate so he'll just like slowly move his way up slowly move his way up and then just be there at the end and you know if he had a better crew chief he'd probably win more races but that's just not the case uh one more thing i want to i want to harp on here martin truex jr and just the reese i think it's reesers is that the sponsor that he had last week Something like that, yeah. 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 Can they stop sponsoring NASCAR drivers? Because going back to the days of Matt Kenseth, I would I've done the analysis of Truex in the Auto Club uh, Auto Owners paint scheme. I want to do analysis of when Reesers is on a car because I can guarantee that the results are significantly worse for that driver than average. Every single time. Truex ended up finishing 11th. He had he had a very good car in that race. I hit him with a live bet, and as soon as that happened, his tire fell off. Um, but I even remember back to the days of Matt Kenseth when he would run that that paint scheme. He would just always seem to be worse than than normal. So my request is for um, Reesers to please stop sponsoring NASCAR. Please. <laughs> I agree. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention that I was very happy about. Very happy about. Now, I had a... Pretty bad betting day, but I'm still also very happy with my bets. I mean, when you get 31, when you get those drivers we got at uh, 11 to 1 combined, yeah. amazing. And when you get Larson, Truex, and Hamlin at uh, plus seven other drivers, five of whom have, you know, at least had a 1% chance of winning the race per both mine and Jim's models, uh, you know, I think those were good bets. But the one thing I will say that was, I was very happy about. After I won Daytona, or not won Daytona, after I had a profitable day at Daytona, people were, like, ragging on me for that, right? Remember that? And then mm -hmm. I had an abysmal day this past weekend uh, as far as results go, and nobody gave me shit for it. So it was like, why? I, there's another, like, whine about it there. Like, why do you whine when I yeah. win but don't whine when I just get absolutely destroyed? And... Um, I'm, I feel very happy with my bets. I think the only one probably that I'm not happy with is Tyler Reddick. Uh, I bet him 15 to one. Uh, I just think, um, he was not that know, good. He was, he was junk even before he got junked. Uh, so I think that was the only bet I wasn't happy with, but uh, overall, I think I was happy with every other bet. And you know, that's the thing you need to analyze regardless. You need to be independent of your results instead of being results oriented. You need to be process oriented. And I feel like all but one of the bets I made were good. Uh, and then on on the flip side with Daytona, like all the bets I made, I think were pretty good, except I think one, like I said there also. So it's a matter of you have to be critical with your own process. And I will 100% mm -hmm. admit when I make bad bets. And I'll 100% admit when I think I make good bets, even if I had a losing day. And uh, I think so far this year, my process has been pretty good not great i think i probably bet a little too much on this race for it being too early in the year and i was trying not to so i think that's one thing i'm going to try to not do this weekend is not bet too much i don't think i bet like way too much this past weekend i mean my units were way toned down compared to daytona uh right but i do have two bets that i've recommended to people and i've 
posted elsewhere that I've made a few sprinkles on some drivers uh, for outrights. But overall, I'm not sure. And, and those aren't like recommended plays. Those are like I'm showing small edges. And my unit size very often is tied to my edge. So uh, because I'm showing small edges on most of these drivers, I've made some pretty small bets. Uh, but the, the two bets I've really made were the Toyota plus 375 and then Daniel Suarez at uh, 50 to 1. I definitely would have taken yeah. that myself. Uh, I was asleep uh, or doing other things when DraftKings released lines. So I didn't see it until the morning, but uh, PJ Walsh wrote it up and you know notified me. And I was like, oh yeah, I got to get that. So grab that as well. But uh, those are the only two bets I've made so, uh, as far as like official bets. And then I've got a few other sprinkles that I, I don't think I'd necessarily recommend to the masses because I'm just showing mostly small edges there. Other than Bubble Walls 50 to 1, but I don't think there's any more 50 to 1s available. Uh, but I do have Bubble Walls at 3.7% to win this weekend yeah i'll admit last week my my betting process was not the best and and i know you tweeted about it because you know i i basically tweeted out like i played this like a roulette board i covered pretty much the three quarters of the field and it's because i had i i just did the math of where i was with you know the 11 to 1 bet having those drivers at 31 plus and then I had 11 to 20, and then I kind of just sprinkled with the rest of the field. And, and, you know, I was basically just trying to lock in profit by – there's number three. Um, I was basically just does, trying does to lock the wine in count? profit. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see We'll see where we get. But um, So I was basically just trying to lock in profit this week because I, mm-hmm. I barely played DFS. I hated the slate. I hate chalk weeks. I – you know, we got that early bet with 31 to pl- 31 plus at 11 to one. And so I just ended up, you know, I'd sprinkled across the whole field and, and I, I understand it's not a good process, but it, I ended up making money because I had Kyle Bush. I hit him at 12 to one at bet 365 to start the week. And then I hit him live at seven to one as well. So that that's when he was making his way through the field. I'm like, Kyle Bush is going to win this race. So, which by the way, but we'll get, we'll get to it. But I, we finally got our first winner. Stacking Denny's. I picked Kyle Bush last week. You did. You did. Nice for, job for for Auto Club. I finally get uh, that win column. But and and I did tweet about that. You know, I could have I could have bet Logano, Blaney, uh, Harvick, Kyle Bush, Ross Chastain, and I think there was mm-hmm. probably one or two other drivers in that. Like, um, you know, uh, uh, I think it was Bowman. I could have bet like all those guys and absolutely locked in a profit if any of those had hit. But I just wasn't quite showing enough value on them. I was maybe showing thin value on one or two, and I was showing negative EV on some of them. So I, I at that point, like, I've already got two, like, significantly positive value bets on the 11 to 20 and the 31 plus. So if I lose, I lose. That's okay. I was all right with it because I know in the long run those will be profitable bets, and I'm not going to do a bunch of air quote hedges or whatever uh, just to try to lock in a profitable day. I'd rather have a uh profitable bankroll long term than week to week you know what i mean mm-hmm. so uh, yeah. i think that's just kind of my process there like if rowdy had exploded a tire there at the end or something all of a sudden i'm sitting at plus uh 22 24 i guess because i win the two units back that i bet 24 units from where i am now uh, on chase yeah. elliott winning so you know i yeah. i I like my process, even though I had a negative week. So it's all about, and you're exactly right. You you admitted, like, I didn't necessarily love it, but I still came out profitable. And that's fine. It all depends on each person's individual risk tolerance. 
Um, my risk tolerance is great. I have no problem losing three or four or five weeks in a row as long as I'm making plus EV bets because when I do hit, it'll end up hitting big. And that's why, that's why when I win big, people are like, oh, you just got lucky on one big hit. I'm like, that's kind of my process. That's the whole point. I'm trying to look for yeah plus EV. It doesn't matter if it's five to one or 150 to one. I'm just looking for plus EV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just to, just to cap that off, you know, not only did I have value on early week bets, but I also had a ton of free bets available. So when I'm playing with free money and I can, and I can do that, I'm probably going to do it just to, just to lock yeah. in the profit and move on to the next week. And, and there's and, nothing wrong know. with gambling with free money. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with gambling with free money. Obviously, obviously if you want to use the free money in terms of bankroll growth, You'd use it in the most plus EV ways you can. But if you want to have fun and, and, and or try to lock in a profit or knowing, hey, it's free, it's not going to cost me any money of my own, then fine. Do whatever the hell you want with it. I don't care. Like, yeah. do it. And and that's not saying to you. That's saying to whoever. Uh, I don't care. Like, I will gladly use a free bet on a negative EV play if I just feel like having some fun. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly how it was. But that's going to wrap up this week's wine about it segment presented by Luva Bella wines. Uh, as usual, you can find them big stores such as Kroger, Meyer, Walmart. Please try the purple rain. There have been nights. I, me and one of my friends, we like to have a wine night here and there. And there have been nights where we drink four bottles of that between the two of us. So it's so good. I, I love that wine. It is I very mean, you good. We're not just that off. Yeah. That we was, are not just saying good. We are not just saying this because they sponsor. It is a very good wine. And, yes. uh, yeah, Kroger, Meyer, Walmart, states all over the United States, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia. You're not going to regret trying it. Make sure you do. So, Auto Club, let's look at the standings after race number two. We're two races in, and we have several drivers with already two top tens through the first two races. Ross Chastain. Daniel Suarez, both track house cars. Alex Bowman with his new crew chief. Remember our our pick mm-hmm. earlier in the year to watch out for this year. Alex Bowman, two top tens to start the year, and Joey Logano. Again, Joey Logano was so disappointing for me. He he was looking so good. I, I wrote him up yeah. in my in my article for DraftKings. Okay, um, okay. Real quick, I'm gonna interrupt you there. You uh I remember you either on Twitter or Facebook or something, you know, talked about Keslowski and McDowell. And I wrote up mm-hmm. Ross and uh, Harrison Burton was my Palmanar pick of the week. Yeah. You had those four. You had four sixths, two-thirds of the optimal – not the optimal, but the winning lineup on DraftKings. I don't know if it was optimal or not. I didn't run the the optimizer there for what the results ended up being. But you had four sixths of the winning lineup right there. And then the other two were Rowdy and Chase Elliott. Well, Chase Elliott was chalk, so obviously yeah. you should have had plenty of Chase Elliott. And then Rowdy's Rowdy here. So, like, you – if you combine a bunch of different sources, and I know Greg Mathern tweeted it out again, like, thanks to not me, you, and a couple other people um, for, for all your information, he ended up with a nice profitable day. If you combine all your different sources uh, of very smart analytics, analytics uh, analysts for, for NASCAR DFS, you probably could have turned a pretty solid profit because... I mean, I, I recommended Ross and Harrison Burton, and both of them were like 9%. And then yeah. you had Michael McDowell, which is around 9%, you know, in that ballpark. And those three ended up in the optimal lineup. So uh, I think if you combine sources, uh, you did pretty well in DFS, hopefully. 
So yeah, a little and, interruption and, there, but I wanted to point that out because uh, you know you triggered me there with that. Yeah, no, it it was uh, like like I said earlier, or like in my article that week or last week for Auto Club. This is the perfect week for small little pivots, and that's exactly it. so. I my tournament plays. I wrote up Logano, I wrote up Keselowski, and I wrote up uh, McDowell. And I also said within Logano, I said it's between him and Blaney. Which by the but by the way, hey, you got Ross Chastain also right in there. Mm-hmm. That's right mm-hmm. below the chalk. Yep. Like I, I, it it was all about the process last week because there was so much chalk, and I hate the I hate the chalk weeks, but those are the times to just do the minor pivots and and. Yes, you just yeah. I, like we always say, you have to consume all the content because I overlook stuff, you overlook stuff, everybody Absolutely. else overlooks stuff. But if you can get a good, you know, kind of feel on everything, yeah, that's how you're you're going to end up being very profitable in this in this uh, NASCAR DFS world. But C- can Ross I just pat myself on the back for two for two, Paul Menard pick of the week in the winning lineup. <laughs> that is that Let's is go. solid. Which. Also, I'm going to pat myself on the back here because, um, I, I, as I said, I, I think in our season opening episode, um, I was going to start introducing head-to-head bets that my algorithm said was value. Yes, two dude, and o to, those were two good. and o to start the year. Logano over Bell and Austin Dillon over Eric Jones. Two and o to start the year. I love that. And one more thing, I, I'm just I'm remembering everything right now. Dude, our Daytona 500 episode of Stacking Denny's was the most downloaded episode ever, ever in the history of this show. So cheers to everybody that watches this show, listens to to us every week. I cannot believe when we started this, like, I I think we would do this podcast even if nobody listened to us. But the fact that we get people listening to us on on a regular basis, I cannot express how much I am thankful for that. It is awesome to be able to do this and interact with everybody. Just sit here and talk about NASCAR, talk about betting, talk about DFS, like stuff that I thoroughly enjoy in my life. Sit here and talk with Nick for, for a couple hours a week. It's just awesome. So thank you guys. It everybody is. that supports this show, downloads it. Um, it. It was honestly surprising. I didn't think our our numbers for for episode downloads were super high for for the million dollar parlay winner when we interviewed him last year i did not think that we were going to hit that mark and and when i checked when i checked the numbers this morning i was like oh we got a new number one episode so yes thank you guys very much we we both appreciate it and and it's just awesome i i appreciate it so much and uh to every one of you listening thank you but also it's the best thing in the world to do this with you jordan um because I know you and I, we've been we've been talking NASCAR forever. We love debating. We've debated each other to the point of not heated, but like but like, all right, we gotta chill for a moment here. <laughs> yeah, and and, yeah. and we that's who we are, that's what we do. So, you know, I, I know people will call us opinionated or we whine a lot or we complain a lot or whatever. Like that's fine. Yeah. I know it. You know it. Don't care. Um We are we are who we are. Exactly. And, but we love it. We're passionate about it. And, uh, we hope that you guys appreciate that passion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you. Sounds guys like you do based off the so downloads. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You either, either you either hate downloading us or you're actually enjoying listening to us, but that's right. Yes. Thank you guys very much. But looking, going back to, you know, the point standings now, Ross Chastain, Joey Logano, Alex Bowman, Kevin Harvick, and Daniel Suarez are the top five in points right now. When we look at playoff points, Stenhouse and Kyle Busch 
tied for the lead in playoff points. Surprisingly, neither of them have stage wins. Ross Chastain now has three stage wins on the year. Yes, that's what that, I was going to say. That is that's big because man, I that's just I don't want to. I'm still in that mindset from like early last year that I don't want to think Trackhouse is that good, but they are. They are, and they, they are. And, and I, I haven't been a Ross Chastain fan my NASCAR analyst career. I've definitely not been a Daniel Suarez <laughs> no. fan. But holy shit, I. It's just like last year. It's like they're starting off hot, and can you really count those guys out? You know. It's 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 impressive. But um, anyway, anybody else stick out to you here in the point stand? It, obviously, it's only two races in, but, you know. You got to go with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I mean, one day Tona mm-hmm. finished 12th at Auto Club, and Las Vegas is a really damn good track really for him. Really good track for him. Uh, yeah. So Ricky Stenhouse Jr. could seriously be hanging on into the, the – and I understand he's already essentially locked in. Um, not guaranteed, of course, if we get a number of winners, but – He's looking good if he keeps getting these kinds of points and has a good day at Las Vegas, which is a good track for him. If he finishes top, you know, let's say 14, 16, uh, half of the field, he's going to still be in that inside that top 10 in points probably. Uh, so, you know, he's looking really good. And then we have to give a shout out to Corey LaJoy in 13th, right? A Man. 16th place finish, which is actually unflattering for him at Daytona. And then a 14th place finish at Auto Club is super good result. And you were talking about Corey LaJoy kind of off the off the jump there. He was 16th in my flags metric out of 36 cars, which is in the top half of the field for a Spire car. Top half of the field. And you look at his teammate Ty Dillon was 34th. So his, first of all, we know Ty Dillon is just yeah. Ty Dillon is just garbage anyway as a driver. Compared, like we looked at him compared to Eric Jones. <laughs> But Corey LaJoy, man, he just and, – and, again, I removed Ty Dillon after his issues. So just looking at Ty Dillon's healthy car, he was still 34th. He was behind BJ McLeod in track position, weighted, field level adjusted green flag speed. You know, mouthful, but you get the idea. He's somewhere in that – there was five really bad cars. The four you'd – well, the three you'd expect, the two wear cars and BJ McLeod, then Ty Dillon and Chase Briscoe, which we didn't expect Briscoe, but I think that was just – there had to have been something wrong with that car because it definitely isn't Chase Briscoe as a driver. Yeah, that was just that was bewildering. But still ended up in what? Where'd he end up? Like fourteenth, I think? think. No, twentieth. Yeah, you're right. Which is it? He was still the last car in the lead lap. Like that's how bad that car was. It he could was not running pass. just barely ahead of Kyle Busch, and Kyle Busch could have passed him to to finish off the lead lap, but they told Kyle Busch to back it down. You don't need to pass the 14 car on the last lap. I think, I think he actually did though. If I remember right before the checkered flag, I'm pretty sure he passed him, but we go and look at, um, quality passes that metric, uh, chase Briscoe. He had 13 just for comparison. Stenhouse had 84. Hamlin had 79. Chase Elliott had 78. Like that car was just not, I, and it doesn't make sense because the rest, like Priest, had decent speed in his car. Harvick finished fifth. Like, I feel like they just—it's one of those examples that they just completely missed the setup because high wear tracks are good for Chase Briscoe as well. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but going back to Corey LaJoy, I mean, he had an average running position of fourteen point four, eleventh best. 
yeah. in the day. Like, I would love to see what that team can do if they can qualify well. Because, like, he's one of those guys that he, he's a great DFS play a lot of weeks because he's always super cheap, but he can get the results and fit. Like, unless he qual, like, that's where it's kind of, it, it's going to get contradictory here. I think he'll, he, he can, like, legitimately challenge for a top 15 if he qualifies well, but that doesn't make him a good DFS play. But if he qualifies mid 20s, he's a good DFS play. You know what I mean? Like, but I just like rooting for Corey LaJoy because. One, he used to be a guy I always, I always used to shit on. <laughs> like, I remember tweeting out, like, when's the next caution for Corey LaJoy? And he actually responded to me once or, like, liked my tweet about it. But all of a sudden, like, you realize that he's doing significantly better than what he should be with that car. And it's – it's I, everybody loves an underdog story, and that's actually, like, you know, part of the reason this podcast is named Stacking Denny's is because – I really like Corey LaJoy. He has a podcast named Stacking Pennies, and I used to hate Denny Hamlin, and now uh, you know you throw in Denny and Stacking Denny's. But no, that that was one of the the, the I would say the underrated stories or the the late, least talked about stories from Auto Club would be Corey LaJoy and his performance because it's not like it was just a, it's not like he lucked into that. He was legitimately running. Oh yeah that good all day and, and let me jump in here on that because uh if we look at so i've got three different flags metrics i've got unweighted flags weighted flags which waits for the car count which is a very important i don't want to get into the mathematical details but it's a better version than regular flags uh, was that five <laughs> four or five not, we're up on, to five <laughs> depending on the wine count I told, um, I told you man it's been a week and then track position adjusted weighted flags so there's i have three different flags metrics and I think it, all three serve a function. So if I look at the standard deviation of those three and just remove the guys that had major problems, Corey LaJoy, when you talk about how good he was, let's look at the guys with the smallest standard deviation that did not have major problems. Number one was BJ McLeod, but he's a shitbox, so he just always runs back there anyway. Mm. Kyle Busch was number two in smallest standard deviation. Kevin Harvick was number three. Corey LaJoy was number four out of 24 cars that didn't have serious issues at some point in the race. Corey LaJoy was fourth in smallest standard deviation between the three metrics that I have. So in other words, it didn't matter the number of cars that were on track. It didn't matter his track position. Uh, it, he was performing very consistently at a very consistent level on a slightly above average number. He was at, so 50% is median. He was at 55.4% for the most accurate, which is the track position track position adjusted. But his lowest was 55%. His highest was 55.7%. So, I mean, you know, from 55 to 55.7 as your low to high from the three metrics, super consistent. So Corey LaJoy definitely stood out. We got to give him a shout out. And again, he's 13th in the standings, and that's a little unflattering for how well he ran at Daytona. Agreed. Yeah. <clears throat> a few other things that we, we learned about or, or we're, we need to start learning about are the rookies and the guys that we don't have a lot of data on. Um, you know, like I said, we had uh, Ty Gibbs. He finished 16th after starting 23rd. Not a there we go. There we go. We're, we're going to hit this over. I know it. Um, 
Ty Gibbs started 16. Todd Gillen had a great run. You know, him finishing 17th from where he usually finishes on that type of track is a great run for him. Michael McDowell, 18th. Little bit, honestly, a little bit disappointing compared to where he was last year with, with the high wear tracks, but still a very solid, you know, it's these under underdog drivers that you really have to pay attention to. And then, you know, Noah Gregson, he's another rookie. Um, Can we take away much, do you think, with Gibbs's performance? You can throw in Harrison Burton there too as well, sitting 15th. Um, can we take away much with the Ty Gibbs and Noah Gregson, because that's, I think that's where the biggest question marks are for a lot of people this year. They don't know how to handle these two. And, and the, the head, head, head to head matchups for these first two races, it's always Ty Gibbs versus Noah Gregson. And I, you have no idea how to bet it. Like that's where I just stay away. But did we learn anything from auto club with these two, you know, guys that we don't have a ton of data on outside of, you know, the lower series. Yeah. I think, um, Daytona's Daytona. I'm not. I don't really care about that. Mm-hmm. Ty Gibbs, this past weekend, his flags was right around 41, uh, depending on the uh, you know the weighted, unweighted track position, whatever. And Noah Gregson was around 30. percent So that means Ty Gibbs was better than about 40, 41 percent of the field. Noah Gregson was only better than about 30 percent of the field. So I think that's pretty important to note. But it is only one race. Uh, mm-hmm. But we should expect Ty Gibbs to be better. He's in Joe Gibbs equipment. Yeah. And we should expect Noah Gregson to be worse because he's in Legacy Motorsports, uh, formerly Petty, Petty GM, or Legacy Motor Club, formerly Petty GMS equipment. Uh, and Eric Jones didn't have a great race. Eric Jones was, mm-hmm. and, and Ty Gibbs almost had the exact same flags uh, for each of the metrics. So. We know Eric Jones last year had a really good year, and especially at Auto Club's really good. And the fact that he was right there with a rookie that's only had one top 10 in his career uh, shows that maybe Legacy isn't quite where they were last year. Uh, yeah. I think that's pretty notable. And I wonder if it has to do with the... This is almost a backward-ass reason, but Denny Hamlin mentioned how the RCR teams may have the best engine. Well, the enhanced partnership that Legacy has this year with Hendrick, is that a negative? I don't know. Like, it's, it's something it's so to think weird about. to say that. It's something to think about. And this is like this is what I talked about with Eric Jones as well. Like, he's hit or miss at these high tire wear tracks. So if I was going to play him, I was going to play his upside. Purely going to play his upside, top three, top five, win. Uh, I didn't want to play his safety of a top 10 because he has downside at these tracks in general. Plus legacy themselves are not a big money team. So they have a lot of downside. You look at Eric Jones from not last year, but two years ago with legacy, he had a ton of downside. That team was terrible two years ago, but okay. But legacy still gets their engines from ECR. Interesting. So I don't know. They're at, their engine supplier is ECR. I, I had to look it up on JSKI, but according to JSKI, their engine supplier is ECR engines. Yeah. Well, then so, I don't know, but maybe it's just the fact that, uh, you know, they're a small money team in general. They're, they're one of, did they, when we did the season preview, we talked about how like small money teams fall further and further behind as time progresses on the same kind of car. True. 
I thought maybe that would happen with Trackhouse, but there could be just enough innovation there and the right partnerships and everything that I think Justin Marks is a fucking genius. Um, but I don't necessarily think Legacy Motor Club's owners are are geniuses and have all the right people. Uh, even though you know they had a great year last year, look at two years ago when they were on the last year of the new car. That team was garbage, absolute garbage. Eric Jones struggled so bad at these kinds of tracks, um, and it's not his fault. He's a great driver. I think Eric Jones is a talented driver, but. Mm. There was a lot of risk there with a Legacy Motor Club. So I, I think the nod by far has to be with Ty Gibbs right now for Rookie of the Year. I agree with that. As much as I hate to say that, I really Me do too. not I hate it. Saying I hate that, it. But, <laughs> but, it's, but it's true. But yeah, and, and you know, you throw in Legacy Motor Club, you know, adding adding the extra races with, with Jimmy Johnson, that just adds, it, it spreads them a little bit thinner. You know, it's not significantly thinner, but it does spread them a little bit thinner. That could have an effect on them. It's something to watch this year because, you know, obviously we saw last week with Eric Jones, everybody was on Eric Jones. People were betting Eric Jones left and right. So, again, it's one of those things. It, it, if if Legacy Motor Club does not have the speed to start the year, it, it could be – because I think Jones is. We also shouldn't overreact, though. Let's let's. <laughs> at the same I know, time, I know. It's, I say it's that, so, we also shouldn't overreact. Yes, yes. It's it's it, this is all just we're, it's it's a hypothetical. You know what I mean? Like it could go either way, but we just don't have enough data to to say for sure. Either way, you know. So, but if, yeah, if Roto, if Roto Dog LB gets uh, whiny here, he's well, I mean, he's already being fussy. So I know you're always like, well, Link's snoring like crazy. He's. He's like, he's not panicking, but he's like, <laughs> like, and he's, he was right here next to me. I let him out there, but, uh, you know, I've got him baby gated off from the stairs because of his neck injury. So he can't go upstairs. So we'll, we'll see how this podcast goes with Roto Dog, but, uh, just wanted to <laughs> throw that out there right now. Yeah. If you're not following Roto Dog on, on Twitter, make sure you do that. Um, yeah, that Roto-Dog was one with an underscore <laughs> at the end. That was actually, that was one comment we got on our YouTube, uh, of the podcast last week. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. Oh, I it was, know uh, I think the biggest takeaway from this episode is we just want Nick's dog to get well. <laughs> oh, and yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, he's, um, he's been making good progress. Uh, obviously he's never going to be a hundred percent. See, this is the other thing. Like we're, this is a NASCAR podcast, but we're still allowed to talk about other things. He's 100%. never going to be a hundred percent. He has a permanent disc injury in his neck between the C2 and C3 vertebrae permanent. It's going to always be there. The idea is to minimize the amount of times it gets aggravated and flares up so he doesn't get that temporary paralysis. So uh, just got to keep him as well rested as possible. But thank you for that. I appreciate that comment. Mm. Um, probably not a, a great topic to bring up, but the the cat on track from Auto Club Whoa. last week, who do you think hit it? Do you think it was Ryan Blaney? Everybody's saying it was Ryan Blaney. I have no idea. I didn't even like know about it until today when I saw like NASCAT in like two or three consecutive tweets. And I was like, what did I miss that? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think one account tweeted about it and then immediately deleted it because it's not something you really tweet about. And then there were pictures of them picking up the cat and a bucket. I mean, I did not hear about this. I mean, you have cars going 200 miles an hour. Like we all know what happened, but um, but yeah, so they were like piecing together that Ryan Blaney hit it because there was red on his bumper, but it was probably just paint. Like we've seen paint like that 
like that just happens. I, I don't know. I don't know. It, yeah, I mean that chain reaction. Well, I guess like if you really want to get super analytic, like who was in front of him and who was behind him on that uh, chain reaction sequence there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think, but, I, you know, I think that's a pretty notable event because NASCAR is going to take these first five races or whatever to reevaluate the restart zone expansion and something happened there on the restart. So, uh, plus also like some of these new rules are already coming into play. We had the restart thing, which could have been Joey Logano just bunching up the field like that. And, and other drivers anticipating like they would have in the old ways uh, from last year. But then we also had Martin Truex Jr. Lose that tire, lose that wheel off of pit road. And now mm-hmm. there's two race suspension versus crew chief and two crew members that have been suspended for two races. Isn't it just to, isn't it just the two crew members? Oh, is it not crew chief? I, I was so I, confused by it all. Yeah, they, they, they switch it all. Um, I think it's just two crew members. Um, not hundred percent sure that, got it, got it. but another thing like we haven't talked about yet, we haven't even gotten to Vegas yet. Like this is no. this is gonna be anybody that makes it through this entire episode, congratulations. Um, we got good stuff but, for Vegas though, I promise. Yeah. Um no, NASCAR is changing the spoiler for shorter tracks and road courses and everybody's speculating on like what to expect we don't know like nobody can say what exactly to expect here because it we have no idea you know what i mean like we haven't seen it on track at all we can speculate on what should happen but we also speculated last year that the short track package should have been awesome and it sucked so Kudos to NASCAR for making the change, trying to make a difference, but I am so fearful of this change making it even worse. And that's going to bring me to a little bit of a tangent here, but I saw a tweet that I liked earlier today. It was like a random poll that showed up in my, you know, for you part. So the last time a cup driver led every lap was Jeff Burton at New Hampshire Motor Speedway in 2000. Will this ever happen again? No, and I know I know Ryan from my fantasy race said he thinks it will. The closest we got was Martinsville during the car twenty nineteen. Yeah, twenty nineteen like bullshit. high downforce bullshit. Yeah. Well, and also the time Truex uh, led it was it three hundred and eighty eight of the four hundred laps at the six hundred. Yes, those are a couple of the times I remember. But I'm gonna say no because you know why the Jeff Burton thing happened. Because of the restrictor plates they added at New Hampshire. That was 2001 <laughs> after Adam Petty got killed at New Hampshire. and Or one or two, I forget. Well, it was one of those years in that time frame around where Dale Earnhardt died, Adam Petty, Kenny Irwin died. And Adam Petty and Kenny Irwin both died in testing at New Hampshire. I think from both from stuck throttles, if I remember correctly. And the reaction to that was, well, let's add restrictor plates to New Hampshire and you just couldn't pass. So Jeff Burton led the whole race on a restrictor plate race at a short flat track. Insanity. So, no. And I think especially with pit stops the way they are and the parody of the field now, especially compared even, I know 2001 or two or three or whatever it was had some parody, but like there's so much more parody now. And there's, I, I do not think that'll ever, 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 ever happen again. And I can't stress that enough. The only way I could see it happening, I don't see it happening in any normal race. It's not. It's it's definitely not going to happen at Daytona or Talladega or Atlanta. 
you know, the quasi uh, super speedway. I don't see it happening in a normal mile and a half race, two mile race, Pocono, any of that. Don't see it happening at a short track. You know where I could see it happening now that there is no stages? A road course. But a road course that's that not going to happen the because of pit strategy. Time. That's not going to happen because of pit strategy. Could it, though? I don't I'm, think so. I, if it was going to happen, I would say that – I'm not saying that there's a significant chance that it will, but I think if it's going to happen anywhere, it's going to be at a road course. And, and speaking of stages – That's about the only that, chance. Uh, I don't think in the stage era – has there been a driver to lead outside of a road course every single lap of a stage? I don't think so. Every single I, lap of a stage? Of a stage. It'd have uh, I would guess. The I Martins guess at the Martinsville's, but yeah, yeah, I, you would have yeah. to have something like that. And because I'm pretty sure Keselowski seem... led like eighty or four hundred, four hundred eighty-nine of the five hundred at Martinsville. So yeah, no, that's fair. Um, well, and I guess probably Truex potentially at Charlotte, although I don't remember the exact year, but I think it was in the stage era. Yeah, it definitely was in the stage era. Um, but. Uh, it, especially these days, like let's say the last, so let's say after 2019. So let's say 2021, 22, because we all know the reaction from 2019 where high downforce just doesn't work at short tracks. It doesn't work at road courses. So from 2020 to present, I'm not sure outside of a road course of a driver has led every single lap of the stage. I would be very surprised if, if it's happened more than once or twice. Yeah, I, and I just went back and looked at those Martinsville races. Both they didn't lead as many as I thought. They both led four sixty something, or Kez led four forty six, and Truex led four sixty something. I thought they were in the four eighties and four nineties, but yeah, no, they, they averaged like four fifty. Like, I think it was. Yeah, um, that'd be something to to look up, and that's probably not an easy look up there of of a driver leading every stage. But if anybody gets bored. And wants to look that up and tweet us. I'll I'll PayPal you like five bucks. <laughs> I'll, I'll PayPal you ten bucks. It's fifteen dollars. Yeah, so you're gonna right get a, for your time. You're gonna get a free pizza out of this. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> for provided this stuff for us, but yeah, I uh, no, I voted no in the poll, and and seventy nine point eight percent as of right now said the exact same thing. It's I can't believe essentially twenty percent of people said yes. Yeah. It, I don't see where it would happen. I I really don't. It. You mentioned a very specific you, circumstance, and even then, I don't agree. I I don't. It's never yeah. happened at a road course, even ones that have gone green the whole way. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I I don't. Uh, even in the era of, there was like five dominant cars, and everybody else was crap. You know, like it just doesn't happen. Yeah, and even I I would venture to say, like right now with. Stage breaks, competition cautions, competition cautions. Um, even if we didn't have those right now, I don't think that it would happen. That it would, it would increase the odds significantly if we didn't have those. You know at, what makes at, it at short tracks? You know what makes it even harder is back then there was no playoffs, there was no mm. win and get bonus points, there was no stages, uh, which. Even obviously, even if we eliminate the road courses, there's still the aggression factor needed to get as many stage points as possible. The aggression levels for getting as much upside as possible matter so much more these days than it did in 2001, two or whatever, three, 
uh, before before the chase especially started. There, and that was part of what NASCAR wanted. That's why they designed the playoffs the way they are these days. Is because they want wins to matter. They want stage points to matter. They want excitement throughout the race. So it's going to be even harder under the current rules than pre-playoffs, pre-current version of playoffs. Um, especially considering the last time a driver led every single lap of the race was at a restrictor plate race at a short flat track. Yeah, it's chances are it's not going to happen. So just go with that. But let's get to some we, – we actually had quite a few good questions uh, come in on, on Twitter this week. I always appreciate people that respond to that and let us know what they want us to talk about. Uh, what was funny was, you know, I tweeted out the line for beers drank in this episode. I said 13 and a half. Um, uh, Matt H., I would have hammered the over before the news that you just had the most downloaded episode of all time recently. Now I'm doubling down on the over and parlaying it with everything. That was when that I was read that. Like, I, I audibly laughed out loud. That was awesome. A <laughs> uh, lot of like, oh, I was actually surprised. Like over was hitting or over was like at seventy percent right now. As I'm reading it, uh, we have seventy votes. Someone please take their vote off so we can get sixty nine. But I voted so it doesn't count. I voted so it doesn't count. <laughs> there. So we have there 69 we votes so, right now. 69 votes, uh, 58% on the over, 42% on the under. We're at seven right now. We need six more to hit the over. I think we're going to get there, but we'll see. Um, let's see. Um, here's I mean, one. Can we're, we fade we're looking toward- pretty good because this is almost empty. Yeah, mine's, mine's almost there too. A couple more drinks. Can we fade Toyota earlier in the season? And who wins a race for us, Ross or Suarez? What would the line be? I'm thinking Ross minus 175-ish. Um, Toyota, we shouldn't be fading. I mean, look what happened last year. No. Don't fade Toyota. That's that's no. the overreaction right there. Don't fade Toyota. <laughs> I bet Toyota plus 375 for Vegas, to win Vegas. Um, I have them right around, what was it, like uh, plus 250 as fair value. So uh, even less than that, I think like plus technically like plus 240 or something like that. But um, don't fade Toyota. Please don't. JGR, they're one of the best teams over the last two decades, three decades, potentially, two and a half decades. Um, and they're that, they're that way every year, year in and year out. Even when they have down moments, they win races. Uh, so don't fade JGR. I mean, last year JGR was absolute garbage at Auto Club, and guess what? They they should have won Vegas the very next race. Kyle Busch was first, Martin Truex Jr. Yep. was second, blowing away the whole field, and a caution comes out with two laps to go. They both pit for tires, uh, four tires. A couple of the Chevys pit for two tires, I think it was, and, and start up in the front row and are able to hold them off. So don't fade JGR. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, as far as I- Suarez or yeah, Suarez versus Chastain. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I, because wow, there's it's, not going to be it's a line close for you it. then. No, no. I just I. It's not close for me. I just don't know. Like because oh, okay. that's not something you can bet on. I just haven't thought about it. Okay. Yeah. I. I was as you were talking about the Toyota thing. I was like, you know, I could. I might be able to make an argument here for for actually fading Toyota, but then you realize they have Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr. 
Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, who we both agree is going should have a very big year this year, or is would not surprise us at all to, for him to have a very big year. Bubba Wallace, as much as people hate him, I I think he could win multiple races this year. And then of course Ty Gibbs, who's he's the only going to get champion. better. Yeah. Yes. So Toyota is is strong. Like as much as like those six drivers are so strong. So there's no way that you can, that you can fade Toyota this early in the season. And um, even last year, I mean, Kurt Busch, God, God love him. He's, and he's going to have a couple races this year. Hopefully, hopefully, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you get that Pastrana car, but Kurt Busch races a couple races. We, he won a race last year. He was super competitive in, tons of races until his concussion. Hopefully he can come back and do one or two off, uh, even if it's next year, but like Toyota strong, the, the 23, 11 guys won two races last year. I know both were at Kansas, but they were in several other races. So it's not just JGR. Um, and I think as much as I think Kurt Busch is an incredible driver, it's very possible Tyler Reddick is an upgrade from an upside perspective. Agreed. Yeah. 100%. And like we both, we, we talked about with auto club last week, he was disappointingly slow, but you know what? If he wouldn't have gotten caught up in that, cause he was one of those, I got caught up in that pile up on the restart. If he wouldn't have, he probably still would have been a top 10 car. And that's a disappointing race out of Tyler Reddick. Like, the upside with Tyler Reddick is just it's it's out of this world. And if they can actually if that team can actually put together cars that Bubba Wallace had at the end of the year last year, Reddick is going to be someone to be reckoned with throughout this season. But he is one of those drivers. He's so hit or miss. It's the same thing with William Byron. That was that was the one thing about, you know, we talk about how much chalk happened at at Auto Club, between Byron back there, Chase Elliott back there, Reddick back there, Eric Jones, a ton of chalk. By the way, shout out DraftKings for not giving a flying fuck about qualifying, getting rained out when everybody knew it was going to happen, um, and not pricing drivers accordingly. You, you fucking worthless pieces of shit. Anyway, um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that that should have been my whine about it, but man, um, but no, like. Tyler Reddick has, I think this, do you think this is the year where we determine whether Tyler Reddick is the hit or miss guy or if he's legitimate? Because if he has another year where he has a ton of races disappointing, but then he has like two upside races and it's always the, well, he he could have the upside, you know, is this the year where he finally, he needs to make that transition or does he get that buffer because he is, 2311 and it's a new team, new year. We got to give him a year to to settle. What do you think there with Tyler Reddick? Because I give him I give him I'm, a buffer. I give him you? a buffer. Yeah, I don't. yeah, I give him a buffer. I do. Uh and that's fine. Like we definitely disagree on that. I give him the buffer. Uh it's I know obviously Kyle Larson just smashed it his first year with Hendrick, but but that's going from Ganassi to Hendrick. That's an upgrade. He's going from RCR to twenty three eleven, which isn't necessarily an upgrade, because Nick, Nick, Nick. yeah. Hey, 
Kyle Busch just went from Joe Gibbs to to RCR and won his first race. Yeah, but that's one race. He still won it. I, I you think Reddick could have done that? You think Reddick could have what? Could have done the exact same thing? Sure, absolutely. Went to worse equipment and, and won it? Yeah. Why not? He he went to he went to better equipment and ran shittier. But that was at a track that JGR has not been running or Toyota has not been running very well at recently anyway. I know, I'm just being argumentative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I don't think we can base it all off one race. That's the whole point. No, mm-hmm. I think we also give him a buffer. Um, I, I think, look, Tyler Reddick, remember last year we talked about Tyler Reddick, like the 100th race is around the time Kyle Larson won his first race. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Kyle Larson won like one to two or three races for the next three or four years. After he won his first race, Tyler Reddick is still in his like fifth full-time season or whatever it is. And now he's on a new team. Whereas Larson went to his new team after like six full-time seasons. So I think there's not a perfect comparison here between Kyle Larson and Tyler Reddick. And I'm stalling here because I'm trying to uh, look up their, their different stats um. Yeah. So so Tyler Reddick is going into his fourth full time season, mm-hmm. and in his third full time season, he won three races. Now Kyle Larson, in his again stalling because I'm trying to look things up, in his scroll scroll scroll, uh, third full time season, he won his first race, but he only won one race that year, and then he won. Four the next year, but then he won zero the next year, one the year after that, and then he had a four race year because he, uh, you know, got suspended for the rest of the year in the COVID year. So he essentially had one, two, three, four, five, six years, six full time years, plus should have had a seventh full time year before he moved over to Hendrick. Reddick's had three years of full time, and then he moved to a new team. On the year Kyle Larson won four races with a team he has already been with for several years. So I think it's okay for Tyler Reddick at his stage in his development to have a down year. Um, now, I get I get the argument. He's 27, right? So he's older than Kyle Larson at Kyle Larson's stage of year four. But you still get a pass from me if you're only in your fourth year of cup and it's your brand new team. Does it make any difference for you that two of Reddick's wins came on road courses last year, whereas opposed to Larson never won on road courses. He won on actual tracks. No, uh, I think one of the things like look at last year, like Reddick would have won auto club if he didn't blow a tire. Yeah, right, like there was true. a lot of equipment yeah, that's failures a very good at point. RCR. Yeah, there was a yeah. lot of equipment failures last year at RCR. I, mm. I remember several. I think Vegas was one of them, or, or Kansas. Like, yeah. Reddick blew tires in like three races that he was either leading or near the lead. Um, I just think there were some issues, especially early in the season with RCR last year and blowing tires. It was kind of like Denny Hamlin earlier in the year last year where he had every failure under the sun in some way, shape or form. 
Tyler Reddick was so good last year, but his equipment didn't hold up. And that's one thing we need to actually think about with Kyle Busch. Is that equipment always going to hold up? Because Tyler Reddick had a lot of that's... equipment failures last year. Mm-hmm. Um, segwaying here a little bit, because Denny, another thing that Denny Hamlin mentioned on his podcast was, I talk a lot of shit about Joe Gibbs racing. I don't think I legitimately do not think Joe Gibbs is a good person. I think he is a terrible human being. Denny Hamlin said that if Kyle Busch wanted to still be at Joe Gibbs Racing, he would be. But he was asking asking such an astronomical amount of money that it would have bankrupted Joe Gibbs Racing. I do not believe that at all. Do you think? Do you actually think Kyle Busch wanted out of Gibbs that bad to go to RCR? maybe to prove something. I don't, I don't see why you would make that move to go to lesser equipment. I just, I, I understand like Denny Hamlin is giving us a lot of information. I love that he has his podcast. I love that he's, you know, feeding us all of this information. I think people might overreact to it a little bit too much, but I fail to believe that, that is the reason why Kyle Busch left Joe Gibbs Racing. Like the, the Ty Gibbs was coming up no matter what, and they needed to make room. Easy it's, out was Kyle Busch. Don't tell me that he was asking for so much money that I just I I don't believe that. I don't believe that story at all. I think Trix and Kyle Busch are both the easy outs. Um, no, yeah. honestly, actually, so. I tweeted this before. I think I thought all four of JGR drivers had outs in some way. Uh, obviously, Truex with retirement, Kyle Busch with who Kyle Busch is and everything that's happened, which is proven to be true. Danny Hamlin with his new team, maybe that just becomes a thing. And then Chris Bell, if he did not progress the way he's progressed, like they did with Joey Logano um, mm-hmm. or, or Eric Jones or Daniel Suarez, right? I thought there were outs for all four drivers. So the fact that Kyle Busch was really the out, I think, means something. Because when you're going to let go of a guaranteed first ballot, one of the all-time greats of NASCAR, that is not, I don't think, just on Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, I don't think they wanted to let him go. I think... It was a combination of both JGR and Kyle Busch. And so I would say maybe there's some truth to Denny Ham- what Denny Hamlin's saying, but at the same time, is Kyle Busch making the astronomical amounts he was asking for at JGR? Probably not. So mm-hmm. I think there's some truth to both sides. So I don't want to give too much credence to Denny Hamlin. It's probably what he's been told or has heard. Um, and I believe him when that's his view of it but you kind of just have to piece together all the sides of this and i don't think jgr let's go of kyle bush uh if if uh everything was hunky dory and i don't think everything was hunky dory so i don't necessarily think it was just an asking price thing mm-hmm. i yeah i it's probably both sides you know kyle bush is kyle bush he has his it's kind of like he is who he is. And if he, I don't see him being that hard nosed with 
negotiations with Joe Gibbs Racing unless he knew for a fact that he had a ride that was not a Spire car for the next year. So if he knew that RCR wanted him and was going to make it happen and they were going to actually put the resources in to give him good cars, then yes, I can somewhat believe you know both sides of the story. We, we also have to factor in the, the Kyle Busch Motorsports piece of it, and I don't know where that all comes into play, so... Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's it's a very complicated situation. That's that's very true because you know he has a lot, of, it, and even his son with him racing. You know, that, yep, Brexton. Yep. If, if if Toyota didn't if Toyota didn't support that, then if to, if Chevy would, you know, it's a lot of a lot of moving pieces there. But yeah, just something that I like kind of picked up on. It was I, uh, I will say I thought it was a very big win, not just for Kyle Busch, not just for RCR, but for NASCAR. Um, to have one of your Ulta megastars of all time move to Richard Childress Racing, where Dale Earnhardt built his legacy, and go win his mm. first real race. I thought that was massive for Cobbush, obviously. Richard Childress, obviously. But NASCAR, I think it's a big win for NASCAR. And Dude, if, uh, if this starts yeah, yeah. a Kyle Busch revenge tour... We saw it happen when he broke his leg in, Mm -hmm. what was it, 2015? Came back and just, he won the championship that year. He he was fast, dominant every week. I have always been a Kyle Busch fan. I don't don't try to be partial to any driver, just like for what I do, for for my analysis and everything, but I've always been a Kyle Busch fan. Man, I would love to see him go on a streak and just, you know. Yeah, I think... More when I say not more to mention, for NASCAR, he's a different person right now. Oh, he totally is. You know is. what I mean? He's he's definitely. And I happier. love it. He, it is he's, awesome. He's happier, but he has that chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Um, and I think that's yep. a good combination. But I will say, and, when I say it's good for NASCAR, I don't mean necessarily that Kyle's going to win streak. I think it's good for the attention on the sport, the storyline, the the news, the eyeballs. You always have to have the storyline. Yep. Yeah, I, I and, think it's an incredible people- storyline. And and especially the fact say, that he won. oh, people are going to say oh nobody or ratings were down for Auto Club compared to last year. But you know what? Will will that get more people talking and looking into Vegas this week? That's all that matters. Yep. You know, because there was a lot of people that were pissed off about the Daytona 500 product. Not like, and I could go on right now with with how Fox broadcasted Auto Club. I am so sick of their live. Um, leaderboard not showing for two or three laps after the green flag, and also their live um, seconds behind the leader just being off the entire time. Like, fucking fix it or don't show it. You know what I mean? Like, this is such a problem. But no, I I think it's uh, uh you know I I'd love to see Kyle Busch just uh. Just go out and it, it, it's very clear that he loves what he's doing right now. And that is the, the, for, for the competition, that is the worst Kyle Bush to have because yes, chip on the shoulder. He he's, could, he's going back to Xfinity. I mean, that whole announcement, like, you know, he's going to have a motherfucking chip on his shoulder and you know, mm-hmm. he's going to, he's just, he's ready to win. He's out of essentially a bad relationship. And when you get out of a bad relationship, that can do wonders, and and it, it we've seen it time and again. 
when you know uh tony stewart was like oh i dropped some dead weight and then he just started winning races again it was it's just Mm -hmm. like these things happen and your mentality the situation you're in uh it it changes it all people work harder for each other when they're not just you know going with the flow yeah yeah when they're not just going the flow or feeling like everything's toxic when they're engaged ready let's prove ourselves they try harder and so there's that motivation factor um and i hate using motivation in an analysis because i'm a very mathematically oriented guy but i don't think we can ignore every single subjective factor so i i think that's a very important point to make yeah it's uh it and it'll be It'll also be interesting to see how that affects Austin Dillon because it should bring his level yeah. of performance up. You know, we saw him finish top 10 at Auto Club. Auto Club is a, I don't understand. Like, there are certain tracks that, like, certain drivers are like almost guaranteed results at certain tracks. And when it comes to Auto Club, Austin Dillon finishing between 8th and 11th is almost a guarantee. He's finished. In that range, like seventy percent. It's his so there. weird it, with him because he just avoids shit. It's like he wasn't the fastest yes. in my flags <laughs> metric. He was one position worse than Corey LaJoy, but he just yeah. finishes in the right spot every single time. Yeah, it's it it it's weird. It is it's weird, and those are the the analysis takes that you you get on one side of them, you know, like when you're talking about DFS or even betting, you know, because he opened up at like plus 250 for a top 10 in betting markets. Um, you just, you're not sure what side to take because you don't want to like DFS wise, you don't want to go with the chalk Austin Dillon. You know, Oh, he always finishes top 10 because you know, for a fact that he's not legitimately finishing those, but once again, he he's there. So it's, it's just weird. And, we see it several drivers throughout several tracks. There's, there's just certain tracks that drivers are good at. And um, you kind of just have to, I don't know, take it yeah. all, but take it all with a grain of salt at the same time. Yeah. I, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was very interesting that he and Keselowski. So you remember the, the Austin Dillon, Brad Keselowski incident at, I can't remember what track it was when they finished the stage and then Keselowski accidentally wrecked Austin Dillon. Michigan. Yeah, Michigan. Uh, was it last year or two years ago? Two years um, ago because I was at the race. Yeah, you were at the race. That's right. Um, but they were coming together at the at one end of one of the stages at Auto Club. And, you know, people always say Michigan's the sister club track of Auto Club. And I was like, oh, boy, what if we see that again? It was just I thought it was funny how these things, like, repeat themselves, even they, on different teams and stuff. It's weird how just – NASCAR has a thing for storybook endings, and they also have a thing for for situations like that. It's yeah, I can't explain it, but it's weird. Um, were you gonna say something? I was gonna say are, are Vegas. Almost one more thing. Almost all right, because all right. So we had one more question come in on Twitter, and I want to talk about this worst DFS bad beats because that is something we've kind of like hit on in the past, but it's just a question out of left field. Mine is definitely the 
uh, King of the Speedway two years ago when David Starr cost me fucking tens of thousands of dollars and then once again cost me tens of thousands of dollars in the championship race at Phoenix for this caution that he brought out when I had all that money on Truex and it just screwed over Truex. Um, my, so those DFS bad beats are significantly documented in, in, in the history of stocking, stacking Denny's David Starr owes me tens yes. of thousands of dollars. Yes, he does. What is, what's, what's your biggest bad beat DFS wise? You know, I don't like, obviously from a money perspective, it's the 2016 Daytona 500, but I don't think that's a bad beat because that's Daytona. I don't yeah. consider that a bad beat at all. I consider that just par for course. Or or last year's Daytona 500 when I went from a million dollars to negative 33% ROI. I don't consider that a bad beat. That's Daytona. I don't consider any of that bad beats. Whether it happened the last lap or a few laps to go for a million dollars or or $5,000, it doesn't matter. The bad beat I had, which you cannot and you couldn't have, and there's no way you could have predicted ahead of time, even with the weather forecast, and you talk about King of the Speedway. Well, the very first King of the Speedway was 2015, which is the first year of Fantasy NASCAR DFS. I had two mm-hmm. entries out of 16 for the Fantasy Racing World Championship, King of the Speedway. It's flip-flop names throughout the years, but it's the main event for NASCAR DFS in, on DraftKings. Uh, and the first year, there were 16 entries, and I had two of the 16, I believe. Numbers might be fuzzy. I definitely had two. I think it was out of 16 total. So the first bad beat, this is a double bad beat. The first bad beat is the live event was supposed to take place at Homestead to sweat it live and watch the race live and set your lineups live at Homestead for the finale in 2015. But that was during NFL season and the whole Ethan Haskell... DraftKings employee getting inside information from FanDuel thing, whatever it was, happened. And Florida just like outlawed DFS the week <laughs> or two before. Not like the week or two, like, like maybe like three or four weeks before the finale was supposed to take place. So DraftKings in a panic had to move the live final from going to Homestead and the actual DFS final would be at Homestead to the DFS final will be at Phoenix, but you don't get to sweat it at Phoenix because we've already made plans to go to Homestead and host you all there. So we're just going to have a celebration party at Homestead after you already know the results at Phoenix. So that was bad beat number one. We didn't oh. actually get to sweat the live final there. The live final was for Phoenix. Bad beat number two was Phoenix was rain shortened. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh. I remember that year. And, that was the only year Harvick was outside the top 10. And Junior won that race, didn't he? Junior won the race. Not only that, I had Kurt Busch in one of my lineups, and he had a restart violation, which sent him to the back of the field for a restart violation. Oh, oh it was. Oh. So I, 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 funny thing, I finished, I think I do not remember the exact numbers. I would go click around and look them up. I think I finished seventh and eighth, which are both top half finishes. And I think I made like $9,000 um, from my two lineups or whatever, which is great considering the amount I entered. But 
Oh, it, like it didn't feel fair. And I was host this. So I was with Rotoviz then. I literally did a live stream to sweat the event. I had my co-host from uh, on the Daily Podcast back then at Rotoviz, Matt Friedman, um, who former Action Network employee as well, former Fantasy Labs employee as well. Now is with Fantasy Pros, um, but also former Rotoviz employee. Like he and I are really good friends. Uh, we did the road of his podcast for like three or four years for NASCAR. He and I were hosting a live show. We had Stevie TPFL as our guest, Stephen Young, who's my co-host for Running Hot podcast now, who's you know with Roto Grinders and under the Butter Collective umbrella. So the three of us were doing a live show to sweat that race, and it just gets rained out in Phoenix in the desert a week before it actually should have happened. Uh, uh, that's oh, like man. the most ultimate bad beat and, and it's not even it doesn't even have to do with money like it just was a shitty situation all around not only do we not get to sweat the event live in the grand finale of the whole season jeff gordon's last full-time race um we have it a week before and it gets rain short like so anticlimactic i don't even care about the money part it was just anticlimactic and it's just, it was, uh, but you know what? This year they'd race in the rain here at Phoenix. <laughs> as long as it's damp enough. Yeah, or not, not too wet, true. but damp. Yeah. It's like, ah, uh. so that was my worst DFS beat was, was just, <laughs> it, it, not even a monetary beat, just a situational beat. Yeah. The, the positive note on all of our bad beat situations is, we were in the position that we were. Yeah. It could have been a lot better. Like we, like we're gonna say you're gonna complain, obviously for for shit. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it both of our situations out. I got, were I got great. lucky as fuck. I will admit, I got lucky yeah. as fuck on the. I think it was the second of the two back to back clashes I won at Daytona. The first one was like just really skilled, but the second one, it was Hamlin and Keselowski. Through turn three and four at Daytona, it was just the two of them, and they wreck each other. And I maybe one or two other cars get taken out. I forget, <laughs> but essentially, I had like no Hamlin and Keselowski because they started pretty far forward. I didn't have none, but you know, of my 150 lineups, I had very little of them. Right, and they take each other out because they both started kind of far forward in the field, and I win the clash. So it all balances out. Um, as long as you make good lineups. The EV of the lineups you make over the long run balances out. So just just be smart. Yeah. It's it it's easy to 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 focus on those bad things, but hey. You also have to remember the times you get fortunate for sure. One hundred percent. But I got fortunate yeah. on the Christopher Bell or not Christopher Bell, Chris Busher uh Bristol win, right? Like Harvick, if he had just taken Bell's pit strategy, would have won easily. Mm. Uh, not bell bush yeah. whatever you know cb and Same cb thing. yeah <laughs> but hey we're moving on to vegas finally <laughs> so o- we had two an races. hour and a half into the episode yeah no shit uh there we go we are hitting this all, over. My face. So- <laughs> <laughs> all right uh God. This this is this is one of this is this is a definitely an episode. I'll say that. Uh this is two, why people listen, race, right? <laughs> exactly. Two races at Las Vegas last year. First one won by Alex Bowman. I'm pretty sure I bet Bowman like twenty two to one in this race, uh, because Hendrick was so strong that week. You did. And you did. N- nobody, 100% yeah, nobody was talking about Bowman. So 
Alex Bowman won this race, this particular race last year. It was Bowman, Larson, Chastain, Kyle Busch, William Byron as the top five. So four Chevys and a Toyota. The fall race in the playoffs was Logano winning it. Ross Chastain once again being very strong. Um, by the way, uh, Chastain led 83 laps. The first race at Vegas last year, he led 68 laps. Yep. The second race at Las Vegas last year, Kyle Busch, Chase Briscoe, Denny Hamlin, the top five in that fall Vegas race. What? Okay. You talked about earlier in this episode, you talked about Kansas being so um, similar to Vegas. You also said Texas Auto Club. Uh, you also have Charlotte in there, Michigan. There's a ton of tracks that kind of like are quasi similar, I'd say. Yep. Um, but for the most part, it's Las Vegas, Kansas. Anything else? You know, like last week we were talking about Auto Club. You said last year top 10 or, or 10 lap average in practice correlated to actual race speed. Do we have any of those similar correlations this week? Not that we got practice last week at auto club. I haven't looked at the weather forecast for Vegas. I'm assuming we're good. Like, but for all I know, it's going to be a blizzard, you know, just cause that's what happens with NASCAR. But, um, anything, anything, um, particular, like we saw at auto club last week where you said, practice was so important is that the same for vegas this week or should we not value practice as much with this race coming up the the uh pennzoil 400 on sunday yeah i mean practice always matters uh at these right. kinds of tracks it 100 matters so hopefully we get practice in hopefully we get uh you know uh qualifying in and I think the things that really matter are making sure you have a well-balanced average of what do we call it? Um, speed from the tracks that are similar. So you're weighing Vegas and Kansas more. You're weighing the other ones that you just mentioned a little bit less. So weighing those past results correctly, then adding in practice and qualifying because starting position does matter and shout out to, uh, Evan Cheney, E. Cheney 69, he also pointed out that, um, you know, starting position is one of the most important factors. And when I ran my model, starting position was one of the most important factors in my model as well. Now, uh, how much of that is in correlation with practice? It, it remains to be seen because practice also stands out in my model. So all of those things matter a lot, but that's the good part about it is one and a half mile tracks tend to be pretty damn predictable. So I think that's a very good thing. I love weighing, uh, you know, practice. I love weighing qualifying. I love weighing similar tracks in the appropriate weights. But the number one predictor is similar tracks with their appropriate weights. Don't overweigh Texas. Don't overweigh even this past week auto clip. Don't overweigh them, but don't underweigh them either. It's not like they don't matter. Uh, so those are the things that are the most important factors for Las Vegas per my feature selection algorithm. And that's not my opinion. That's what the model selects for me based off a, a statistically, you know, significant algorithm. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing, you know, we always talked about with Michigan races, uh, Ford winning. 
I feel like for a while there, it was also the same thing with Penske here at Las Vegas, where Pennzoil would uh, sponsor the race, and then a Pennzoil car would end up in victory lane. You look at uh, Keselowski and Logano, both have three victories here. Logano actually has the best average finish of all active drivers here at Las Vegas, 8.5 over 19 races, which is very impressive. Like that, that is a solid average finish. He's the only one that's sub 10.1. Truex is next, 10.1. Uh, and then we have Kyle Busch, who surprisingly only has one um, victory here at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Like I said earlier in this episode, his last four finishes here, third, fourth, third, third. Uh, even before that, he was sixth in 2020, like very good at this racetrack, but, um, yeah, there's definitely drivers that are significantly better here, um, than others. And, you know, Kyle Larson's up there. It's a, it's a lot of the same people from auto club and I'm, I'm a big proponent of this West coast swing, the drive, the, the, the teams and the cars know what they have and, I don't, as I said before, I don't want to overreact, but there is a ton of correlation. And you and you, and you brought it up uh, earlier in this episode. The drivers that were fast at Auto Club are the same drivers that are probably going to be fast here at Las Vegas, and that's kind of unfortunate. I feel like it worked out a little different from last year, whereas you know the drivers that were not fast at Auto Club were fast. But it seems to be working out more this year. And I guess the big exception again would be JGR. Like they like Truex was fast, but he had problems. Hamlin was mm-hmm. fast. He just wasn't the fastest. And then Ty Gibbs is replacing Kyle Bush. So it's like, well, how much can we trust Ty Gibbs? Bubba is is maybe an exception here where, you know, he wasn't fast at Auto Club and he should be fast here at Las Vegas. So I think Toyota's the big key. Like that's the that's the huge mystery for this weekend for me is how is Toyota going to be? That's why I ended up just betting the Toyotas in general because I think plus 375 where they open at Caesars, I'm happy to take them all because what happened last year is Toyota was terrible at Auto Club. A lot of it was overheating issues. And then they were really good at Las Vegas. And this year, Toyota was not the best at Auto Club, although they're still pretty good for the ones that didn't have problems. If they're even better at Las Vegas, God, they're going to be value. So, and if they're not good, then that's I'm okay with it because I took the Toyota camp as a whole. So I think it's just one of those things where, outside of Toyota, I, it's hard to find um, overreaction spots. Like I said, maybe Byron. Uh, maybe, uh, I, I, I already forget who else I've mentioned, but I think Byron is, is definitely a classic overreaction spot. So just one of those things where unfortunately, like you mentioned Chastain, even Suarez, like they've, they've been good at Vegas and Kansas and they were good at auto club this past weekend. And I think they made some gains there, so they could definitely be threats. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm very curious how practice will go because practice does correlate. One thing I will note, the weather forecast for Las Vegas is not the weather forecast from the playoff Las Vegas race where it was hot. It was in the 80s. The forecast is in the mid-60s, and 
There could be some potential weather. It's not a super high chance, but we'll have to monitor and see. But, I mean, it's cold here right now. Vegas has been getting, yeah, I was going to say, Vegas has been getting some weather here lately, too. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There. It's, it's, yeah. it's not exactly the warmest here these days. So, uh, tire wear shouldn't be too far different from what we saw at auto club um but it will definitely still be more than texas so that that's that's what i'll say uh you know both vegas races last year had decent fall off the first one didn't have as much fall off as the second one uh probably possibly due to the weather but also just the different tire compound vegas number two had much more fall off almost uh, seven miles per hour over the long run um <clears throat> we talked about Martin Truex Jr. and just guys that are overall very good at this racetrack. And when you when you look at the stats, Truex is ridiculously good here. For only having one win, you look at his last 13 races here, he has one finish outside of the top 11, and that's his only finish. Or He has two finishes, 11 of the last 13 races, single-digit finishes, his other results, 11th and a 20th. He's finished in the top 10 in both stages in all but one stage over the last 11 races. So 21 for 22 and finishing in the top 10 in stages. Martin Truex Jr. is just ridiculously good at this track and once again goes to your point of not fading Toyotas because a guy like Truex is so good, not to mention I feel like he's got a new lease on Mm-hmm. Not life, but just his his and racing career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who had the most fastest laps different in Vegas number one year. last year? Martin Truex Jr. Most fastest yeah. laps, despite not having track position for a lot of that race. Uh, his average running position was seventh, but he came through the field a couple times there because he had to go to the rear for the start of the race. Uh, so even though he was qualifying position was twelfth, he went to the rear for the start of the race. And his average running position was still seventh. He was flying through the field. Uh, 34 laps of fastest laps. Only one lap led because he never had track position. But when you're coming through traffic and you have the most fastest laps, that's incredible. Especially a track like Vegas where you're not going on alternate pit strategies and, and getting a few bullshit fastest laps like you can at Auto Club, for example. Uh, so mm -hmm. while... Vegas is medium high, nice tire wear. Uh, it's not the track where you're like pulling off strategy to just inflate your fastest lap numbers type thing. So I thought it was very notable that uh, Martin Truex Jr. was as fast as he was in the first Vegas race last year. And uh, it's a super good track for him. I got him 14 to 1 when he opened Willow Hill. Like I said, I made a few sprinkles. I was definitely showing some thin value on Martin Truex Jr. I had him about 11 to 1 to win instead of 14 to 1. So when I made my few sprinkles, which is not like stuff I'm like recommending to everybody, I definitely sprinkled Martin Truex Jr. 14 to 1. I posted it in the Action Network Discord. People were asking, like, what are your sprinkles or whatever. Um, so, you know, there's there's my public bets, which I'm like, you should bet this. I'm recommending it. And there's others that I was like, well, I'm thin value. I'm going to bet it on my own. And. Uh, not if you're a lower risk, I like, I'm not going to recommend it to the public because I know the public will let, let's be real based off the way the lines move. And I'm not trying to say this in any sort of ragging way, but after I make a, a public declaration, the lines very often move quickly. That's why I'm not going to sit here and make public declarations of certain bets because 
I don't want everybody and their brother to bet it if they don't have the same risk tolerance that I have. Mm. But I think 14 yeah. to 1 for Truex is a, a solid value. I wish I could have got it on that. Right now, the his his best odds are 12 to 1 sitting at DraftKings. Um, I believe FanDuel's not updating for me, so he might be a little bit longer there. But, but by yeah, the way, you know, our, our, our weekly segment of FanDuel releasing their props has just happened. <laughs> so this is such we perfect timing every time out i know right like it's 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 pretty funny but we should probably check those out but so by the way so last week with the with the two plus stages i know for some states they added the this includes the race win that they never added that for ohio weird it, yeah right before the I, like i checked it okay the day of the race and it was not on broken there. right now um so they have accomplished minus seven good way? for top ten. But look, all the all the negatives are like minus one five, minus one fifteen, whatever, all the way to minus seven hundred. But the first plus number is plus two thirty, and that's Bubba Wallace. Like we have to smash all of these. Uh, yeah. Give me Kesel. Yeah. We Give have to just Bubba. smash this. Like. Oh my god! Like the literally, there's no plus money at plus one fifteen. Plus one hundred five, plus one hundred fifty. Bubba Wallace is plus two thirty. Plus two thirty. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is plus six hundred fifty. This is a great track for him. Oh my God! Come on, Fanduel, what are you doing? I mean, I love you. I love it. What are you doing? Uh, but again, we're gonna get you know criticized because we didn't give this out while we're recording the podcast. It's just. This is our new weekly segment is like, what kind of fucked up lines is FanDuel going to give us while we were recording the podcast? Someone, someone tweeted us today. I was like, can you, or do you do the the podcast live? I would love to, if you can find me a platform that'll do it, I will consider it. But, uh, I have, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Unless we're, unless we're actually, actually live streaming it, but I have to be able to record audio video and everything else at good quality with it. And I haven't found anything with it or that is able to do that. But Stenhouse plus plus six fifty for a top 10. Come on. What are you doing? I know, that's insane. That's insane. Um, there isn't like insane amounts of value out here, but, but Bubba plus two thirty is ridiculous. I like that. Then, so like Eric Jones is plus two thirty. I'm not like super on board with that. Although he did finish, or he was running ninth here when I think like he blew a tire and like wrecked on the last like stint there, which is what I think what brought out the caution with a few to go. Can't remember. Um, Chase Briscoe is plus two thirty. Austin Dillon's plus two fifty. Kozlowski's plus three hundred. Cindric's plus four seventy. Um, Almirola is 470, Busher 470, Ty Gibbs 470, Stenhouse 650. Good grief. This is, this is, uh, definitely something here, but I just bet Bubba, um, for a unit at plus 230 and I bet Stenhouse for half a unit at plus 650. And, uh, I will, oh God, like it's one of those things where like we're trying to record the podcast and I want to let people know these are what I'm betting. 
so they right. can get it at the lines that we want them to get it at. But at the same time, we're recording a podcast, so I can't just like create content. There's a, it's a very weird, and, and you know this yourself. There's a very weird line between being a content creator and a professional better because you want to bet your own lines first. And so we do. You, you always have to. You have to. Yeah, that's. Yes. You. And then. Sorry, but I'm going right. to bet my, for myself first. Yeah, of course. And then you want to create content. So it's like, well, I want to write an article for this. So I'm not going to go tell everybody because I need to write an article for this. So not only am I betting for myself first, but I also need to have job security second, right? Right. Um, And or even job security first, even. And then uh, it's like those are the most important things. So I'll create content and then I'll release that as content uh, because that's my job. That is literally my job. So uh, there are times where we just get lines different from the public and that's unfortunate or, or not just from the public, from the people we give content to. And that's just unfortunate. We can't alert everybody on every platform, on every bet we make. You know what I mean? And that's just the reality of the situation. And it sucks. Because mm-hmm. everything moves so much. Everything moves so much. It moves so fast. Uh, especially because these books are so resistant to, you know, to money coming in. Um, but uh, it just sucks. It, it It is what it is. And I will always... You will always make the bet, then release the content in the way it needs to be released appropriately or best for the job you have. And then after that, it's, it's, you know, it's public information. Uh, so it, it sucks. It's unfortunate. It, it is part of the gig that we do. Speaking of, um, it pains me to say that I just bet this. As well, but Almond Digger plus five fifty for a top ten. Finished ninth here last October. He finished fourteenth here with JTG in twenty sixteen. Sixth here in twenty fifteen. I like that plus five fifty. I'm on with Almondinger and Stenhouse plus five fifty plus six fifty top ten at Vegas this weekend. But do yeah, we know what, what uh, engines? Oh, so hold on. what engines do the uh, the call it guys run? The... Go, go to your Jayski thing here. <laughs> yeah, one second. Uh, they are running ECR engines. Nice. So, and like Almendinger at at Auto Club, he had a he had a shine of. I don't remember how long he was up front, but he was legitimately like running top five at some point at uh, at Fontana last week. So, yeah, those these lines are definitely uh, he he finished dead last. But Corey LeJoy is priced with shit boxes, by the way. I don't know fifteen to one's value. I don't I don't necessarily think so, but I just thought that was notable. Just thought that was notable. I mean, if if they keep pricing him at that, I'll, I'll take it because when Atlanta rolls around and when uh, Talladega rolls around, if you're still pricing him like a shit box, yeah, that's where we take advantage. But yeah, uh, this is an interesting one. Um, 
just so I was running my uh, track quality metric or whatever for uh, this track, and I'm just trying to figure out like who's better at this track, etc. But then I just come to realize it's like the track quality has changed so much from car to car, year to year that I don't, I'm not really worried about And it, it ends up not being statistically significant when I throw track quality into my model. So I don't really give too much of a crap about it, but I don't think it's completely insignificant in somebody like AJ Allmendinger's case where there's a, you know, a very small sample size of relevant data, let's say, because he's mostly been in the Xfinity series or not racing in the cup series. Uh, and then when he was, he was with JTG. So I think that matters, but it's tough. Um, like I, I love how it goes from Daniel Suarez minus one Oh five for a top 10 to the next, next, uh, you know, cheapest drive, cheapest driver, I guess you'll say, or next favorite driver for top 10 to Bubba Wallace plus at 230. plus 230. Like, like what that the is hell such is that? A gap. That's a massive <laughs> gap that goes from better than 50% to worse than 33%. Uh, just, you know, off of quick math in my head, because 2 to 1 is 33%. That makes no sense why there's such a monstrous gap there. Uh, and why the fuck is Kyle Busch minus 700? Minus 700. They are overreacting to him winning last week. I'm telling Do you. Do we see this with... I get so it. I'm looking at top threes, it. and we don't see this with top threes. Daniel Suarez is nine and Bubba's 10 in top threes, which makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Nine to 10 as you're, you know, one to the next. But for some reason in top tens, they're a monstrous gap. And I don't understand it. Uh, it, it. It makes zero sense. By the way, um, some very interesting values in those top threes as well. Austin Sindrick is 22. Well, all those plus 470 guys are 22. Um, Austin Dillon, 16 to one for a top three. Hummendinger and Stenhouse are at 31 to one. Yeah. McDowell is priced the same as McLeod and Ware. Yeah. Like, I don't know what FanDuel is doing here. I don't think necessarily those are values just because of the way Vegas is very much a favorite track, but Daniel Suarez, nine to one for a top three. I like it. I, I do I too. I don't want to like it, but I do. I oh no. Mm. I and I don't want to like it. That's the thing. But I do. So so uh last week when my friends asked me, he goes, How much time do you spend this this segues off of what we're doing right now? He's he's like, How much time do you spend looking at sports books when they drop lines and, and anticipating them. And I'm like, buddy, you don't want to know my screen time. Oh, no, no, you don't to you definitely these don't. books because like it, and I don't want to admit it, but at the same time, that's oftentimes where you get value. And that's just, that's it's, what we it's do. The name of the game. Like it's, it's what happens. Like, it's very clear that these sports books don't really know what they're doing. And they haven't learned a damn thing from last year. So if you're able to take advantage of that, um, you have to. 
How about this? So FanDuel group betting number three. Alex Bowman plus 390. Against? Bell, Truex, and Reddick. While I like the Toyotas, Bowman plus 390 against that group is a little crazy. And And if Chevy has, like, if Chevy... Like I said, go back to Auto Club last week. Chevy for the top five. It essentially becomes like, what if Toyota just underperforms at all? Then Alex Bowman's a monstrous value. Like this is almost like a correlated play where if like Toyota just sucks, then Alex Bowman is even better value. Now I think he's value regardless of whether you think Toyota's better or worse. I think Alex Bowman's value at plus three ninety. I have. I can't run my model because uh, I have my model run, but I have to manually enter the groups and then rerun it, you know. But just off intuition, Alex Bowman plus 390 is insane. Bowman plus 390 in group three is sick. Mm-hmm. I'm I like gonna make that. that. I'm making that an official bet. That is a one unit bet from me. Alex Bowman three group three plus 390. I love how earlier in this episode you were like, I regret at Auto Club uh, over probably over betting um, and putting too much out there. And now, God damn no, it. Well, it's because FanDuel, well, I mean, let's be real about those top tens on FanDuel. Those are stupid. Not the top, I like, I haven't made any top threes or whatever, but like, the top tens are dumb. How do you go from minus 105 to plus 230 from one car to the next? That doesn't make sense. That just doesn't, doesn't. make sense. So, I mean, you're too, you're too hop you're too top heavy on uh, guys like Kyle Busch putting them at minus seven hundred. I mean, yeah, yeah, those yeah. are like Caesar Caesar's lines right there. Right, right, exactly. But but then they gave us the like the back half of the field like crazy odds, which is nice. So okay, so I bet value? Alex Bowman plus three ninety uh, in Group Three. Just just so you know, transparency. Uh, I have Bo Wallace plus two thirty for a unit. And I have Stenhouse plus six fifty for half a unit, and Almendinger plus five fifty for half a unit. Those are my bets that I've go. made uh, right here live on Stacking Denny's once again. And this might just end up being a freaking weekly segment because this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, if Fandle is just going to throw us these bones, how can this not be a live weekly segment? We, we got to find a way, dude, to just stream this podcast live at this point. Yeah. The the we person that had do. that question, I think, I don't, was a really good question. I I don't care if there's. I mean, we can figure out a way. Like, I know how to. I know how to live stream. We can figure out a way. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's just getting everything else. And oh, here we go. We're gonna hit this over, man. There we go. It, the beer is like. That's. Here, let me turn this uh, microphone. If you're watching visually, the the beer spray got on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Uh, that's thirteen. Right there. Line was at 13 and a half tonight. And uh, we just hit the over. There. Yeah, I feel mm. bad because, you know, not like yet. People follow us for getting these lines, but there's nothing we can do when we're literally in the middle of a show. Yeah, it's it's midnight Eastern time. Yeah, midnight Eastern when FanDuel releases. Oh, we did these. hit what the over. I thought it was 13 and a half. It was 12 and a half. We did just hit the over. Well, we're going to hit it anyway, because this is like, this will probably be one of our longest episodes of all time. And I, 
I'm okay with that. It's a random ass race. 14. But it's the start of a new season. <laughs> we've we've had a lot to talk about and uh I mean, you and I, we could go all day on just talking NASCAR. Oh, yeah. It's oh, yeah. it's funny cuz like our episodes will vary from like an hour and a half to over 2 hours and people mm-hmm. don't know what they're getting themselves into. So, <laughs> I agree with that person who asked, "Can you stream it live or can you put timestamps?" Um, they may have been different people. I don't know, but uh, I think all that stuff is good stuff. Yeah. And uh, I used to do the timestamp thing. I just get lazy. It turns it, into it is, I'm just going to post it. More time consuming stuff to do. I agree. Yeah. If I if I have open time, then yeah, I'll I'll, I'll throw timestamps on there. But Man, most of the time, I'm just like uh, see, I'm this getting is it so, up. This is so annoying because now it's like okay, I go from all right, I'm going to be try to be conservative this week. And then Fandle just drops these like, what the fucks? That's the, so that is the awesome part about sports betting just in general and, and especially NASCAR betting because there's so much value with these sports books and how they don't know what the fuck they're doing. It is. It's awesome, but at the same time, it's frustrating because a lot of these bets like we're sitting here betting Stenhouse for a top 10. We're sitting here betting Almendinger for a top 10. Do I expect any of these bets to hit? Absolutely not. I don't expect Stenhouse to finish top 10. I don't expect Almendinger to finish top 10. But the odds that you get them at is is the difference. Like, this isn't like other sports where you're betting minus 110 on either side and you're just hoping to cover a spread. This is... Like you're getting like plus 650. That's the same odds this week as the favorites. It's the same odds as Kyle Bush to win the race, as Kyle Larson to win the race. And you just need AJ Allmendinger or Stenhouse to finish top 10. And that's, that's just the, it goes back to people not understanding NASCAR betting. And I think that's the, I don't want to say the hindrance to, um, NASCAR betting becoming bigger than uh, it is now, but it's definitely has an effect on it because of the, you're going to lose a lot more than you're going to win, but the odds are just so much longer and people don't understand that because like my big philosophy in life and, and, and everything like business and everything is Make it as simple as as possible for people, and and NASCAR betting is not simple for people. To like to be honest with you, it's not. You you need to have a brain. You need to understand how this all works. You need to understand that you're going to go through, uh, you know, weeks of of shit. But when you actually do hit and you hit a hot streak, it's going to be big. But um, but yeah, that's just that's how it is with with NASCAR betting, and and that's I think that's what makes the NASCAR betting community that much better is because the people that are thoroughly in it and they are solidified in it, they understand that that is how it works. And that's why it's just so awesome. Like, you know, how many people hit Eric Jones 60 to one or longer at Darlington last year? That was fucking awesome. You know, you know what I mean? Like that's one of those, those positions that, or situations where it's just awesome. It's it's what you and I talk about though, and we've talked about this since we've started stacking Denny's. 
um, we both hit our hot streaks typically in the middle of the year because mm-hmm. the beginning of the year has a lot of unknowns. So it's very hard to be like, well, I know which manufacturer, which driver, which team is going to be better at which track, under which conditions, under which rule changes. Very hard. But when you get that five, six, 10, 12 races of data, boom, rocket ship. Yep. And it happens year in and year out for the people that do this all the time. So while I believe I have an edge and while I believe I make good bets at the start of the year, very often I'm down at the start of the year, but only because, you know, it's it's very hard to predict start of the year. So the edges we think are bigger at the start of the year may not actually be bigger. And I will say last week I thought my edge was really big, getting 11 to 1 on 31 plus. Um, you know, I think that's a, just a monstrous edge, and I will never, ever feel I, bad about that. I bet, bet that. I'd bet that a million times out, out of a million, million times. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention, Caesar, Caesar's opened at 150 to one for like five seconds. Yeah, but if you got that, but, then you know, yeah, this is the greatest bet of all time. Still, if you got it, great bet. But they probably cleaned up a good amount on that. I'd, I'd imagine that's fine because in the long run they'll lose a, an insane amount on that. Yes, please but, do uh, that again. Yeah, do it again, Caesar's. I'd love it. Anytime there's <laughs> rain in the forecast, just open up uh, 31 plus. At, a gazillion one or whatever, especially after a super speed race. Um, but you get the point. It's like we, the people that are very, very, very good, very, very, very sharp, very, very much pay attention. All of us. And I don't care if it's me or you or anybody else we recommend on the last show, or I forgot to recommend on the last show. We all clean up in the middle of the year. Mm-hmm. And the worst part is the beginning because there's a lot of unknowns in the end. When, Finally, all the long shots have won or performed in some way, and that value is gone on all the long shots at that point. And then it's like playoff time, and there's there's a lot of uh, you know just scheming going on in the very end of the playoffs, so it becomes a lot harder. But from like race 10, 12 until the first couple races of the playoffs has always been our bread and butter, both yours and mine in the betting scheme, betting world. I don't know about necessarily dfs for you or me but um i know for me it's just in terms of betting i just take off in the middle of the year yeah it's it's uh it's kind of full spectrum for me like dfs i definitely get hot uh during that time of year but uh betting wise it's it's significantly better but um going back to las vegas motor speedway we went on quite a bit of tangent there. Not that I'm mad about it, but um, because you know, because we didn't we... do that for uh, Daytona. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, what kind of got? Okay, so here's a question for you: what What drivers do you think are or could be overrated going into this this weekend's race? Wow. Um, this is a tough one. Because I think based off of the way things are, I feel like underrated drivers uh, performed well at Auto Club, so they're no longer underrated. And I feel like it, it goes basically to the overreaction thing. 
And I feel like overrated drivers actually underperformed. Um, Vegas overrated or Vegas underrated actually performed opposite at Auto Club. So I feel like there's a lot of pretty decent sentiment. And I think that's why my model is not showing a ton of value anywhere. Uh, Because I think even the books are reacting similarly to um, overrating, underrating, but which is, I don't know. I I honestly, I feel like this is a race where mostly I want to avoid just in general. Like I'm not a big fan. I've made two official bets. Like I said, I made some smaller bets because I like gambling and I, uh, you know, showed some small value on a few drivers, but this isn't a race I'm trying to go big on until apparently Vandal drops live top tens and uh, live groups <laughs> and really fucks them up. So I don't have anyone. I'm sorry. I just don't. Do you? I don't like part of me wants to say like Chase Elliott, like you mentioned him. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. I forgot about him. Definitely. I would agree with that. But like you also look at Chase Elliott. And you look at his stage finishes over the last 11 races. He's only finished outside of the top 10 in stages in one, two, three, four of the last 22 stages. Wow. So he, he, while he does have, you know, he only has one, two, three, four top 10s in his last 10 actual races here. It's clear that he's still pretty goddamn solid with the stage. Like, it is so he's just not finishing races and you can't it's one of those things you can't count against him really because he was so good like he has multiple stage wins he has three stage wins over the last six races here like it's not like Chase Elliott is bad at Las Vegas Motor Speedway he's just not getting the the results so that is one thing to keep an eye on I would say this weekend, you know, dude, I, I, I feel like we have to at least do the people that are up a service and be like, FanDuel drop live lines while we're recording stacking days. So I just tweeted that out. I didn't tweet any of our bets or whatever. I'm happy to, I just feel like we got to do like, it sucks, man. It's just, it's one of those situations where like, Fanduel drops live lines while recording stacking Denny's and you have the whole feeling of like, well, I want to bet it. I want to tell everybody, but I want to save it for content and but the people want to know, but then half of them are asleep because it's after midnight on the East coast, which is what, you know, happened to me yesterday with DraftKings and uh, Daniel Suarez or whoever it was uh, bubble Wallace being 50 to one. No, Suarez 50 to one. So all I tweeted was, oops, we did it again. Failed to drop live lines while recording second nineties. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and quote retweet you right yeah. now and say, I just hit Almondinger plus 550 and Stenhouse plus 650 for top tens. And uh, I will just quote tweet it. Like, and this is the problem with a podcast is like while we're doing this, if people are just listening on audio, this sucks for content. But we we just made some bets, uh, and I feel like we should let our people know. You know, um, it's so I, it sucks, but at this at at the same time, I don't feel that it's very much different than if it was a Wednesday afternoon and Fanduel dropped the lines. Then 
you know. Yeah. So, right, I have one unit on Bubba, plus 230, top 10. Dinger, top 10, half a unit. Stenhouse, half a unit, top 10. And one unit on Bowman. Plus 390. One unit. Group. Like, yep. Yep. Exactly. I'll say we'll track later. I'm literally recording a <laughs> podcast right the fuck now. All right. It's tweeted. But at some point, hey, uh, you know, the show goes on and we have to actually record our podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, moving further on, um, random fancy racing, your dock blocked is, was more prominent than ever God, last week. How is this happening? Br- <laughs> Dude, I go from not even qualifying for the race to a good driver being a shitbox. <laughs> Chase Briscoe. Which, you know, he finished 20th, which is sign- significantly better than where he should have been. Uh, no, he was, a, he was literally a shitbox on speed. Oh, man. But Doc Block full in effect. Who do you have as your random fantasy racing driver for Las Vegas Motor Speedway? Who are we avoiding this week? Because your, uh, your first two picks for official races this year – well, actually, your first three picks, Cody Ware, uh, yeah. Chandler Smith, who did not make the race for the Daytona 500, and then Chase Briscoe, who was slower than the shitboxes. Who's your uh, random fancy racing driver for this week while I find your tweet um, so I can give you uh, your I've got it here. Is there a way to drop cup. it? So you and I started on a new platform, so I don't know if there's a chat feature in our plat. Oh, there it is. Let me drop it in here. There's there's my random fantasy pick, so you can. There we go. Get your get my influencer standing point thing, um, but uh, my random fantasy pick for Las Vegas Motor Speedway is Michael McDowell is dock blocked. Mm. So Michael McDowell will probably be running Cody Ware lap times this week if things just go, you know, according to schedule. I don't even know how to <laughs> how to call it. But uh yeah, Michael McDowell is dock blocked for Las Vegas. So another reason to avoid his top ten bet on FanDuel. Uh yeah. So I I, I, I tweeted out you tweeted out, I tweeted out the, the bets we made. And lines haven't moved yet because there's only 98 views on my tweet and going to your tweet, uh, fan racing online is three views on your, no, that was, that was a Steve Lavender, uh, 148 views. So you actually have more views than mine, but, um, yeah, it's after midnight on the East coast. So I don't think we're getting a ton of views right now on our bets, which is why I think the lines are not immediately moving. You know what's awesome is Random Fantasy Racing. I got uh, McDowell's teammate, Gilligang, 
Todd Gellin. Oh, no. I had Horvick last week, so he gave me a top five. I don't think I don't think Gillen's gonna give me that same one this week. I need to figure out if um, on these standings, so I'm just disqualified from the Racing Underdogs Cup. Yeah, I'm just he never. Steve I'm disqualified. Never responded. Yeah, I'm just disqualified because you're supposed to start every race mm-hmm. for the Racing Underdogs Cup, and because I got Chandler Smith who didn't start the race, I don't even count as an underdog, which I think is bullshit because my pick didn't start the race. It's not like I didn't make a pick. <laughs> I made a pick, and he didn't start the race. Yeah. I literally should be the most ultimate underdog. But it is what it is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Who is your, uh, who's your pick to win? By the way, uh, through the first two races of the year, you, uh, you're two for two in selecting the 34th place finishers. <laughs> So, <laughs> so who am I? Byron. Byron, and I have the number thirty-four car this week. Yeah, you had you had Byron, you had Byron uh, for Daytona, and you had Reddick for Auto Club. Both finished thirty-fourth. So, who is finishing thirty-fourth this weekend? Ross Chastain, Las Vegas. Ross, Ross Chastain. Chastain. You're going Chastain. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, look I at like him. It. Last two Vegas races, plus the Kansas races, pick. plus. What he did at Auto Club last week on this tire combination, plus what he should have done at Auto Club last year when he spun out, moving from the back to the front, uh, and spun out in sixth place while he was driving through the field. I, I look at the RCR cars, the engine from what Denny Hill. I don't know. I'm just gonna go with Ross Chastain. At uh, I don't I don't give a shit for what his odds are. He's my pick to win. I don't necessarily think he's a good bet based off the odds. That you can get him at, but he's my pick to win. I like it. I like that mindset. I'm, uh, by the way, I'm coming off a win. Gotta throw throw that back out there. Coming off a win at Auto Club with Kyle Busch. I'm going to go with Kyle. I'm going to go with the other Kyle. I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. Nice. Kyle Larson. He was close last has, year. He and, he and Bowman had that restart. He has five top three finishes in uh, 13 Las Vegas races. I'll take that. I think Kyle and Kyle go back to back here, and we get three different winners to start the season. So I'm going to go to Kyle Larson, and I'm happy with that. I'm going to go over by one more. Yes. <laughs> That's 15. Man, I'm going to have to. My lines are low. This book's getting hammered. Actually, uh, yeah, because, well, I had over I had over 12 and a half at minus 115. So that's all right. Oh, man. I, why does this keep happening to us where we record stacking Denny's and there's a line posted on FanDuel that's just egregious like how can you go from minus 105 to plus 230 i don't hate it though oh i love it for us i just think that's egregious like how can you go from minus 105 on daniel suarez to plus 230 on bubba wallace yet in the top three market they're essentially the same price 
By the way, Kyle Larson plus 112 over Kyle Busch. I haven't ran any numbers, but anytime there's the, there's a head-to-head that's plus value or plus money, I uh, I like it. Yeah, no, I do depending too, on who it is. I think the issue is um, Tyler Reddick ran really well at these same tire combo tracks last year for RCR. Um. And knowing how well RCR did back-to-back years at Auto Club, it's like, okay. So we look at the last four races, or the four races on the same right and left side tire combination. So the four races that there have been, period, on this tire combination, which are Kansas last year, Texas last year, Vegas last year, number both number two for Kansas and Vegas, and then the one Texas race, not counting All-Star race. And then Auto Club this year, those four races... Reddick was third in lap led percent. Um, one, two, three, four, five, sixth in average running position, but second in average finish, second in driver rating, and first in fast lap percentage, averaging those four races uh, and removing incidents on each driver in case they had some major incidences. So now that's Kyle Busch's car. So I can't really necessarily get aboard fitting him when larson wasn't in the top 10 on any of those metrics oh sorry i take the back larson was seventh in average running position ninth in average finish eighth in driver rating and ninth in fast lap percentage so hard for me to take larson even at plus money there knowing the what happened with those cars on those same tire combination now again that's a four race average when I don't necessarily think we should be averaging them all the same, but it was the quick math I could do before the show, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, just, just <clears throat> with a grain of salt, I think if uh, I have a chance to equal or, you know, to weigh them as much as I think they should be weighed based off my SIM scores, that could change, but it's not an insta bet for me at plus plus one twelve on Kyle Larson versus Kyle Bush. Yeah, it's just it's always noteworthy when a head-to-head Larson is plus money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, I just agree something with to that. point out. I mean, he's he's Kyle fucking Larson. Yeah, especially the, the the speed that he showed at uh, Auto Club last week after his issues. Like, it's. <laughs> And that's that could be another thing where people overreact to it. You know what I mean? Like, it could even be both ways. But I'm yeah. typing again because this is just <laughs> we need to just live stream our show or something. We'll figure out a it's way. It's going to be it. like must see TV essentially at this point. Like, if you're a NASCAR better. A serious NASCAR better, you got to stay up past midnight Eastern. Because that's when FanDuel's... Three weeks in a row, FanDuel has dropped their odds while we've been recording. Yep. Three weeks in a row. I mean, it's a pattern now. It's trend. Trend, as Larry Mack would say. Trends. We got that trend. The trends. So, 
What else is she gonna do? Like, it's it's trained. This is must see TV. <laughs> I don't know. All right, but yeah, we've we, we've we've talked enough. We've recorded enough. We've drank enough. We have yes. We've hit the over. And uh, hey, good luck to you guys betting Las Vegas DFS wise. We'll thank see how this to, weekend goes. Thank you to Louvabella Wineries for sponsoring the podcast. This is Purple Rain is a really fucking good wine. Yes. I Yes. I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. Oh, it's good. I, I I am I am intrigued to see your your uh review for the rest of the wines. Because I know you're you're a big wine guy. I'm not. Oh, I love wine. But yeah, I and I remember, like, the first time I drank those wines, I was like, I hate wine, but this is good. It's funny because I love wine, and this is not normally the kind of wine I would be like, I'm trying to get in the camera. I would be, like, crazy about, but for the style of wine, like, adjusting for the style of wine, this is, like, two or three standard deviations above what I would prefer from this <laughs> style of wine, right? Like I like dry you wine. Would. So having a sweet wine for me, uh, like I'm mathematically adjusting my wines. In I was going to say you would, you would throw the mathematical <laughs> shit and like standard deviations when you're talking about wines. Like, but it's God. like, it's good and it's drinkable. And I am not a guy that will have semi sweet or sweet. And I wouldn't say this is sweet. I would say this is like slightly sweet uh, wines. It's just not, my typical preference but the purple rain i could drink all day and i would drink like you said you and your buddies can get together you can drink like six bottles of it i drink a bottle myself easy yeah on a yeah Yeah. cold day on a hot day doesn't matter so thank you Louisville wineries for sponsoring the show once again yes 100 percent. and thanks everybody for listening we will talk to you next week we're going to talk about phoenix next week that's that's gonna be something. Oh baby. Because I'm not good at I'm not good at Phoenix. But you think, are. And it's one of the most predictable tracks, but I don't we'll think get there. Uh, I don't think it's well, given the rule changes, I don't think it's gonna be a the easiest thing to predict. Let's say that. That's true. Yes. It was predictable pre twenty twenty two. I'll say that. Yeah. Yes. So thank you all for listening. Talk to you next week. Hopefully you stayed. If you stayed along for if you, this if long, you did, yeah, what the please fuck? get help. Like <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> There's no reason you should still be here, but you wasted 150 minutes of your life. Unless you're actually um, using this information or just really enjoying the entertainment. Yeah. Hey, thank you guys. We'll see you next week, all right? Peace. See you.